open country that I love. Don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me off another, but I ask you please. Don't fence me in. Don't fence me in. Just turn me loose. Let me straddle my old saddle underneath the western skies. On my guise, let me wander over yonder till I see the mountains rise. I want to ride to the ridge where the west commences. Gaze at the moon until I lose my senses. I can't look at hobbles and I can't stand fences. Don't fence. figure out whether this is a uh, is this a reader's day for me I don't know that's a day I'm gonna have to wear readers I can't see today for some reason it's like I can like I can see really well right now but but for some reason other days I could see some days it's because the computer is not bright enough, but it's bright now, or it looks bright, or maybe, and, and, and it, or it's as bright as it can be, but my my eyes are dim. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't know what the problem is, but for some reason, I have uh, vision that is compromised today. I don't know why. Just all of a sudden today, I mean, my eyes are straining to uh, uh, figure out what's going on. So, good morning this morning, everybody. Happy Friday. We're yeah, we're we're finally here. And uh, it's been a long week, and we're kind of all, I think, waiting for the uh, midterms to be over because we keep hearing all these. You know, I, I got to tell you one thing uh, that that the Drudge Report is addicted to is talking about the uh, is is. Let me see. The studio seems darker today. Yeah, maybe that's it. I, I is it darker? No, it's not darker. I I don't know. Maybe maybe we're all feeling. Dark. Dimmer and darker today. It's just one of those, uh, maybe the, with the season changing or whatever, it's, you know, and, and it also might be that we don't have the uh, close-up camera uh, 
which normally is a little lighter, and we have the wide shot today. So we that might be that might be part of it that you don't have the uh, the close up. I, I I don't know. Yeah, Don is like getting old. I guess. I mean, overnight though. I mean, I I just well, it hasn't obviously been overnight, but it's one of those things where I, I just uh, have felt like I I can't see as well as I I thought I could. So that's the uh, that's the situation there. But I, I but I again we we keep on seeing these reports of the turnover of the house. Uh, and, and the Drudge Report likes to uh, likes to quote the Cook Report. Now I don't know whether you guys are familiar with the Cook Report, but I am. And when you see the Cook Report, normally you think it's kind of sympathetic to Republicans. It's kind of would have been one of those things where the mainstream media loves, for instance, to quote traditionally Republican type be sources and things like that to try to poke at Republicans. That's kind of what they, they like to do. Like they like to quote Paul Ryan all the time because they know Paul Ryan is reliably a, uh, an individual who will always throw the Republican party or Donald Trump under the bus when it's convenient for him, which uh, I think lately Paul Ryan has been horrible at trying to help the Republican party, uh, maintain the House. You'd think a guy like Paul Ryan would try to be uh, successful. But Paul Ryan, of course, in the end, in my opinion, and I know people think that he's a nice guy, and I, I get it, but Paul Ryan doesn't want someone else, Republican, to be Speaker of the House. Oftentimes what you have to do is you have to kind of look at the human condition. And unfortunately, many people who are also in politics are still, in the end, human. They are subject to the human proclivities. They're subject to some of the weaker proclivities among us, like jealousy and a level of competitiveness, and uh, they want to maintain their own glory. They don't want anybody else to take it over. And, you know, it's all, a lot of it is uh, very personal, and people are very, very uh, in the end, there are a lot of people, it's a matter of ego uh, for the most part. Like Ben Sass. Ben Sass has a gigantic ego. Uh, mommy never told Ben Sass he was wrong. And the Tea Party propped him up and thought he was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And he's actually just a lazy, do nothing, spend my time writing books, never Trumper. And now suddenly, by the way, he was recently interviewed, and now suddenly uh, the he's just too conservative for everybody. All of you people out there have lost your way. So, you know, the Republican Party is owned now by people who are not conservative. So uh, that, that's your problem. So a guy like Ben Sass has an ego issue, and you, can, and you can tell a mile away, and we all know people in our lives like that. And so politicians are not unlike your coworker or that person in your family who uh, really, in the end, has a level of self-esteem dependent on some other things, uh, usually their material things or whatever, and uh, they really can't lose. That's, that's kind of the problem. And we have that certainly at, at an inability at the, at the Democrat Party level. That's clear. Hillary Clinton... You know, Hillary Clinton believed that this White House was hers. And the reason she believed it is because 
everybody told her it was. And so when you're propped up to that degree and you've got everybody telling you that you're the next queen, you believe it. You start to believe it. And then suddenly when it doesn't happen, you get you're drunk off your ass that night and throw things. And then you spend the next two years complaining about it. And that's what Hillary Clinton did. So she couldn't tolerate uh, that whole thing. By the way, we talked about magazines, women magazines, and Glamour magazine apparently now lists all of the uh, the women of achievement. And guess who's among the women of achievement in Glamour magazine? And we'll get to that. Anyways, to, to Paul Ryan's point, uh, Paul is a uh, person who, in my opinion, Paul Ryan doesn't care whether or not the Republican Party survives the midterms. And, and Paul Ryan doesn't want to be replaced by a more effective House Speaker, which he would be if we had a situation where we had uh, the the Republicans maintain the House. So what you get is a situation where you have a politician like uh, Paul Ryan who is – basically not going to lift a finger for the Republican Party. Has Paul Ryan been out there stumping for his fellow House members to any degree? I don't recall him even. I mean, he's doing a lot of interviews that critique presidential language and that, uh, you know, that talk about, you know, aspirational politics and all these other things that nobody understands what he's saying. So he's sitting down for these things where he's throwing uh, the Republican Party under the bus, but he hasn't really done much. So uh, everybody's acting as if when when the president attacked Paul Ryan for not being helpful, that he was just laying the groundwork for a lack of success in the midterms. When the fact of the matter is, if indeed there is a lack of success in the midterms, it will be in part, Paul Ryan's fault. Uh, To me, there is no reason on earth, and I said this at the outset, and I'll continue to say it because I I believe the the blue wave is a a lie, and they're telling you this. I, I can't, if you're a Republican and you lose an election in this atmosphere, you're, there's something wrong with you. Either that or you're just a Republican who out of dumb luck won a seat in a predominantly Democrat district that now is going to be predominantly Democrat again. Uh, but if you uh, if if you are a Republican in a Republican district and you lose your election, you're that's really on you. And 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 it's amazing to me uh, that in this atmosphere where we have this unbelievably strong economy. And everything going on the way the the way it ought to be going on. We have uh, just full employment and wages increasing, and uh, the certain sectors that never were sectors before growing. Uh, we've got we're not or strong sectors before growing, and so uh, you know, the blue collar element and and those people include Democrats. So at the very least, even Republicans ought to be getting Democrat votes like they did in 2016. And again, I'm convinced that they will. I'm convinced that they will, but to be a Republican and lose in this atmosphere, uh, you've got to be really bad. You've got to be a pretty horrible candidate. And any and all the Republicans who lose their seats to Democrats who are in 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 Republican districts, if they lose, they're horrible candidates and shouldn't have been there in the first place.
that, I'm just, that's all I'm saying is, but I don't believe that they will. But if they do, it'll be because Paul Ryan didn't help and because they're horrible candidates. That's just the way it goes. There's, there, there's, there's not that much of a commitment on the part of Democrats to take back that outweighs the commitment of Republicans to keep. It just doesn't work that way. So anyway, back to the Cook Report. So the Cook Report is used by a lot of sources like the Judge Report and others uh, to kind of take a sideswipe at the at Republicans uh, because the Cook Report, Charles Cook is a never-Trumper. Charles Cook never liked Donald Trump. Charles Cook in 2016 predicted Hillary would be president. The Cook Report constantly undermined the the president's agenda, constantly undermined the president's campaign at the time. And so the Cook Report is not a credible source, at least for me. So they, they love, but they love talking about it. They love trying to undermine the, the, the president. And they did just that recently when they predicted a sweep of 30 to 40 seats on the part of the Democrats. That's an impossibility. Now, either I just have zero concept of what's going on out there politically, or I'm, I'm just off my, off my base, or these guys are just out of their trees trying to push things along. And and that's what the cook report is doing. It's wishful thinking. They, they would like to see chaos and they would like to see the house ultimately turn Democrat because they don't like president Trump and they love the idea of President Trump just spending the next f- six years being harassed by the Democrats and the uh, people who are going to be taking over committees and that kind of thing. It's just uh, not uh, not going to, to, to work. Now, I did let you know it, this is very interesting, and I, 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 this is a bellwether for me, that we had uh, the – you're right, Scott. The, the 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 lamestream media does want us to give up and acquiesce, and so do some of the people in conservative media too. So they're talking this race down. But the uh, I saw I was in Brentwood yesterday, and there were a lot of signs for Ann Wagner in Brentwood. I thought that was interesting. I'm talking about in some of these uh, littler neighborhoods that are not really you know you're not you're not talking about wealthy people by any stretch of the imagination. I'm sure they're all. Uh, moderately well-to-do and and do great and everything else. But uh, I saw a lot of signs for Ann Wagner and even Josh Hawley in these neighborhoods. I thought that was very interesting. Sometimes even just across the street from McCaskill signs and court signs and that kind of thing. So I thought that was really interesting that, that I, to, to see the Wagner signs uh, out in Brentwood in these kind of smaller communities that are attached to Maplewood and Richmond Heights and those places that are generally uh, pretty liberal. I thought it was a pretty good indication that things might be looking up uh, for uh, Republicans uh, more than people are claiming they are. So we've got a lot to talk about. Man, there's a lot of uh, cr- crazy media malpractice out there. Geraldo goes on The View and has to apologize for not believing that this guy, like me, I, I – I, Geraldo said the same thing I did, uh, but I'm, I'm not going to apologize on the view for it. But Geraldo did anyway, so we will uh, we'll follow up on that. Uh, also, going to follow up on the uh, Trump rally in Colombia yesterday on behalf of Josh Hawley. It was typically epic uh, Trump rally. I don't know whether any of you guys went uh, or not. We have uh, 
more updates on the caravan and the media's treatment of that. And also Oprah's appearance yesterday, which interestingly enough, Fox News took completely live. And and for Stacey Adams, who's a left wing, and I'm talking about she's no different than this Gillum guy down in Florida. She's a left wing politician in Georgia who now has been propped up by Oprah Winfrey, who, as I said yesterday, has a ton of credibility. And of course, also the media loves her. So there that, you know, that all ties in. And the media is not necessarily wrong uh, about Oprah's swagger, but nonetheless, the fact that she's loaning her name to this Stacey Adams woman, who's a very far left person, but I think it's because she's she's another black woman, and and Oprah wants to help the sisters. I mean, that's just I don't know why that's such a uh, hard thing to understand, but but it is, and the, and the media absolutely just uh, uh, loving on her, and will. Uh, Oprah's almost like their god. They loved it, and then all, and then of course made these inevitable comparisons to uh, President Trump, and and it was well. Chuck Todd did that. I'll, I, you want you want to hear um, uh, Chuck Todd talking about how how the president? There's such a big difference between the president, and of course pulled up pulled out this better angels baloney that uh, I think I've heard from Hillary or or from. Barack Obama or something it's your it's that and and I'm sure that there are better angels I get the whole thing but but when people in the news media use it and pundits use it uh, you know they're they usually scold you know Republicans and that kind of thing but and Chuck Todd by the way is an anchor which is is shocking to me but that's that's uh it's that's who he is contrast you know Here. when you watch the way the president is is sort of his closing message Hi, Oprah uh, what she did there, very much trying to sort of determine optimism, I guess, if you will, trying to be the, the, the contrast, better angels versus darker demons, things like that. Yeah. You know, Oprah's in a very... Better angels and darker demons. So yet another possibly religious-type reference from a journalist who probably hasn't set foot in a church in heaven knows how long. Healing person she always is. There's a reason. Maybe she ought to get a talk show. It might be popular someday. I mean- <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good joke. But you know what? She, uh, she Her speech was good. I mean, her speech was invigorating. She, You could tell that woman knows how to talk, and, and she was – it was a good one. I was confused as to why Fox News took the entirety of the speech. Because, but I think they're they're falling into the same kind of Oprah celebrity worship uh, that other people have, and, and I mean, I get it. I mean, I get it that she's got some impact. I get it for a daytime audience watching Fox News uh, and and watching outnumbered. I I understand that people they want to serve their public there, and I, I and I understand that that uh, that people do want to hear from her. But it was interesting how they took her. A speech introducing Stacey Abrams. Is it a- Adams or Abrams? I can't remember who it is. I think it's Adams. Uh, yeah, Abrams. So they took Oprah's speech in its entirety, and and then <laughs> and then just ducked out of the whole thing. So they didn't even cover Stacey Abrams' speech. They just covered Oprah's speech. Oprah's like. Uh, and now, after a, after a long speech and a long, big, you know, 
big flowing oratory and everything else was like, uh, and now, ladies and gentlemen, Stacy, the next governor of Georgia, Stacy Abrams. And then suddenly you're like, and you're watching Fox News, and that was Oprah Winfrey in Georgia. And blah, blah, blah. Wait a minute. I thought this was all, was all about Stacy Abrams, and you guys didn't even take uh, the Stacy Abrams speech. I thought that was. Uh, I thought that was that was pretty funny, and uh, but a, but a measure of uh, this kind of celebrity worship that's going on, and it's it's not un, unlike there were some. Uh, President Trump didn't get the same kind of uh, the same kind of celebrity worship. By the way, I know there are people who claim he did, but he didn't get the same kind of celebrity worship that uh, that Oprah's getting. When he came on the scene, it was like, oh, look at his clown car, blah 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 blah. This isn't going to work. He's never going to be president of the United States. He's a, this is a joke. It's never going to happen. I kept hearing it time and time again, but. When Oprah walks on the stage, like, here comes, wow, she looks like she could be the next president of the United States, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I get it. There are personality differences, but still. Uh, so we've got a lot to talk about in that sense. Also, President Trump, uh, have you seen? I tweeted them out. I tweeted them out yesterday, last night. Have you seen the videos, by the way, of the, uh, of the caravan members who are throwing rocks at uh, – at the helicopters that are kind of trying to figure out what's going on and keep everybody safe and all that kind of stuff. These helicopters that are also monitoring them. Uh, did, you, did you see the, the these uh, tired, hungry, poor, teeming masses who are throwing rocks at the at the helicopters? Yeah, so, can't wait till they get to Laredo. Wow. These people, I can't wait to invite them into the country and offer these dirtbags asylum who are throwing rocks at helicopters that contain brave men and women of our armed forces. So that's the kind. And also I had a little picture from uh, from Brazil, which is another. And all you have to do is go to a place called LiveLeak.com and see just the just the violence the South Americans meet out towards each other. It's just unbelievable. Honduras, you know, 74 per 100,000 uh, per capita deaths. I mean, talk about in terms of violent deaths compared to 0. 0.009 in Japan. I'm just telling you, there's a big difference. And I'm not saying that it's because they're South American. I'm just telling you the numeric facts about the kind of people, oh, kind of countries that are spewing out uh, these migrants. I'm just and these migrants might be ultimately fleeing that, uh, but they also might be part of that. And if you're throwing rocks at a helicopter, uh, you're a dirtbag and you're part of that. Now, President Trump, uh, here's here's what's going to happen, and, and this is what they're looking for. They're looking for this confrontation uh, this weekend. It's kind of frustrating a lot of them because uh, they were hoping for this big standoff at the border with the military, maybe on Monday. And some big thing that could change the the results of the midterms. I don't know. It's still going to happen. I think there's still going to be uh, some confrontation. But the president has all but guaranteed that there are going to be people who are going to uh, ulti- ultimately be provoking uh, the military people and the people who are trying to keep them from coming over here. And this is a the same people who are throwing the rocks at the helicopters and yelling at the helicopters. And the video, by the way, is up there. I put it on my Twitter account so you can see that. 
these people are going to be trying to provoke uh, an argument. And, and President Trump, in telegraphing the response, probably all but guarantees people are going to try to get that response. I'm not saying the president is wrong to say this because I think he's good to warn these individuals that our brave men and women down there, our border agents and our people in the military aren't taking any crap from from, from some rock-throwing f- 25-year-old dude with a mask over his face or a handkerchief over his face. They're going to be taking any crap from these people uh, and shouldn't. And especially people who... Uh, supposedly want to come here for a better life, throwing rocks at a helicopter, a military helicopter, doesn't quite indicate to to me that you love the country that much. It indicates to me that somehow you're entitled to walk through our border. But these guys are all, and they're all wearing handkerchiefs over their faces. It's like we're it's like we're importing a bunch of street thugs. We have enough of those already, and they're Americans. Speaking of that, by the way, and we'll get to this in a little bit, I don't know whether you saw the headline in the Post-Dispatch. I tweeted that one out, too. But it's nice to see the Post-Dispatch uh, positioning these alleged cop killers in St. Louis as the victims. I don't know whether you noticed that or not, but I'll be getting into that at about the 7 o'clock hour because that's driving me crazy. But uh, this is President Trump talking about what uh, what's coming. In the- I hope not. I hope not. It's the military. I hope, I hope there won't be that. But I will tell you this. Anybody throwing stones, rocks, like they did to Mexico and the Mexican military, Mexican police, where they badly hurt police and soldiers of Mexico, we will consider that a firearm. Because there's not much difference. When you get hit in the face with a rock, which, as you know, it was very violent a few days ago, very, very violent, that break-in, it was a break-in of a country. They broke into Mexico. And you look at what's happening in Guatemala, just to mention Guatemala, along with El Salvador and Honduras. It's disgraceful that those countries aren't able to stop this, because they should be able to stop it before it starts. And the United States pays them a fortune. And we're looking at not doing that anymore, because why should we be doing that when they do nothing for us? You know? <laughs> I, 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 it's too bad President Trump wasn't around during Ferguson when we had all of our law enforcement people having bottles thrown at them, sticks thrown at them, urine thrown at them. And, and, and at a time when the police were told that they couldn't dress up anymore. I'll never forget the police when we had a problem in the uh, in this was not necessarily in Ferguson, but in St. Louis itself, where they were uh, closing off some overpass, you know, during the height of the protests. And I remember seeing the county Browns out there and the county police, and they were told to not wear riot gear. And so they're facing off with these people, and these people are picking up rocks and and bottles and throwing things at the police, and I'm seeing these police officers in their short sleeves, and I'm thinking to myself, this is just wrong. Even if you're a, uh, if whether you're a police officer or you're a family member of a police officer, and you're watching this on TV, I mean, what what is what is going through your mind at that point as to as to as to whether or not these people are safe? And President Trump is rightly saying, hey. You throw a rock at a military guy, you might as well be shooting at him. 
And now there will be people going, oh, gosh, don't say that because now they're definitely going to throw rocks at people because they're trying to invoke and invite uh, some kind of uh, some kind of standoff. And maybe that will be the case. But you know what? The president is going to have to say and answer the question about how he's going to protect our men and women he's sending down there. And that's good. Uh, I, I, uh, I imagine that will happen. Now, here's the thing. There's a strong possibility that the on the military side that they don't necessarily consider a rock to be a firearm. They, there, there are different rules of engagement, although uh, the president is the commander in chief. But there's a strong likelihood that the individuals, and, and this is unfortunate because they risk getting hurt and 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 all that kind of thing. There's a strong possibility that the military is not going to consider every rock thrown at them uh, a firearm. That's just not necessarily going to be uh, the case. And and so there are different kinds of sensibilities on the part of the people who are right there on the ground. So we'll see how it works. But the president is right to say, you keep messing with us and uh, we will we will retaliate. We were not going to stand there and take rocks being thrown, things being thrown at our military people and risking them and their lives. We're not going to, we're not going to do that. I'm, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad that NBC news is, uh, reporting this at least. And, uh, Julie, hi, Julie is telling me that, uh, Suzanne can speak about this personally. So is Suzanne's, does Suzanne have a loved one who's a police officer had to stand there and get hammered by, uh, by the, by the rioters, because I'll tell you what, I certainly wish President Trump was the the, uh, the governor of Missouri back in the day, or even the chief of police. But you know, back in the back in the day when we, I hope not, needed hope. that. You know, it's the military. I hope I hope there won't be that. But I will tell you this: anybody throwing stones, rocks, like they did to Mexico and the Mexican military, Mexican police, where they badly hurt police and soldiers of Mexico. We will consider that a firearm. <laughs> Good for him. That 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 is music to the ears of and and Julie says it's Suzanne's husband. Okay, yeah, that 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 would that's music to the ears of a person like Suzanne who uh, they were who they they happened to be uh, loved ones of first responders because that kind of tough talk is the is the kind of uh, tough talk we appreciate. Uh, that 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 they're not going to take any crap from these people, and we've already seen the video of the of the migrants throwing. I'm sorry, the invaders throwing rocks at these helicopters, and that should give you every indication of what their intention is. And earlier, I had referenced the uh, headline in the Post Dispatch, and and this was uh, you realize we have a long time, thirty year St. Louis police veteran who was hunted down, robbed as he was getting out of his car at 7.30 in the morning in the Tower Grove neighborhood. And he was executed, basically, by these juveniles. And he fired back, too. And so they shot at him and killed him. He's dead. So what's the headline uh, that we get? We get teens accused of retired St. Louis police sergeant's murder appear in tearful juvenile court hearing. 
Well, boo-hoo. So we're supposed to then, and, and that's all I've been seeing, by the way, for the past uh, for the past four days or so, are stories about how these alleged cop killers are nothing but the most angelic children on earth. And the relatives are all like, oh, they'd never do anything like that. This is, this is so, yeah. yeah. So uh, what's next? Are we going to see... Uh, are we going to see the pictures of the suspects in their eighth grade graduation caps? Is that is that what we're going to see next? Is is that picture? Because boy, you read the story, and I'm not going to pay ninety nine cents, by the way, to read a story that positions alleged cop killers as victims. I'm just not going to. Uh, I'm just not going to do that. And and this headline, of course, is appearing on the very morning of the funeral of the fallen police officer, which is this morning at St. Wesenslaus uh, Catholic Church. And then he'll be buried in resurrection in South South County. But this is what the uh this is what the uh what what the family of the of the fallen police officer and other police officers this is the headline they're gonna read if they pick up a post dispatch this morning. Teens accused of retired St. Louis police sergeant's murder appear in tearful juvenile court hearing. And that's all we've been hearing for the past four days. And, uh, okay, so you're a juvenile, and you, uh, you're alleged to have killed you 15 years old and 17 years old, and you're two brothers, and uh, you've got a, a forty caliber gun. So that's not angelic. And yeah, Margaret, I, I know that I'm talking about, I'm talking about the uh, online, they charge you 99 cents to subscribe to the Post-Dispatch. So again, I'm not paying 99 cents to read a story because they, they do that for everything. They had a guy the other day who was missing uh, be, and, and he was off his meds and, and he was missing and dangerous. And there was a story about that in the online Post-Dispatch and you had to pay 99 cents to find out who he is and the details of who he is i mean that's 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 crazy they they'll they'll charge 99 cents to read about somebody getting stabbed in you know north st louis that'll be 99 cents like no thanks i'm not really that interested i'm not really that curious that's that's the deal but anyway but that's what they're waking up to this morning the family members of this fallen officer which is not unlike what they were waking up to the day before when the uh, the situation was that somehow the mom was out there saying, oh, these boys didn't do this, and maybe they didn't, but to talk about how angelic they are as police start to pull out a forty caliber gun from your uh, from from the car they're driving around in, that's a little much for me to handle. Keep in mind, unfortunately, we. Uh, we have the uh we have the individuals who are these uh parents who are doing this and all the adults and uh guess what they do sometimes they serve on juries yeah now you know why people are turned out day in and day out of our court system because you have people like this on juries and they never believe 
that anybody in the youth is capable of doing this. They let people walk all the time. If you're a prosecutor in St. Louis and you and you and you have to and you have to do a jury trial on a on a crime, the, the chances are going to be pretty good that jury is going to say, "Oh, that boy didn't do anything wrong." You know, he's just an angel, and, and he was just standing on the street corner. That's that's the that's the kind of attitude you get uh, from those guys. So that's the headline this morning. I'll talk more about that. As we uh, continue on, Jimmy Talent's going to join me a little later on if he can make it. He's kind of traveling, so we're kind of in a in a state of flux about that. And of course, the great Doug Jowes is going to be with us, and Geraldo appears on the View, which I thought was still a you know, I I I like Geraldo. I I always you know I used to kind of think he was paid in the rear, but I, I actually kind of I kind of like him. And it took some guts to be up there on the uh, on the View, although he did wind up apologizing for. The statements he made about the uh, the guy with the Bugs Bunny bombs, who, by the way, it turns out, actually, I told you, I told you that this Filipino who identifies as a Native American would ultimately be described as a white male. I, I, I knew that was going to ultimately happen because uh, that's exactly what Don Lemon did. He. He decided he was going to include this guy into the list of white males who uh, are apparently terrorizing the country time and time again. And lo and behold, I was convinced this guy was going to be George Zimmerman White by the time all the stories were told. And indeed, that has occurred, that uh, this Saycox dude, or whatever the hell his name is, is uh, is now officially white in the eyes of uh, of. Of Don Lemon. You got to laugh at this stuff because if you don't, you're just going to cry. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, our national anthem. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light What so proudly we held at the twilight's last gleaming Whose broad stripes and bright stars Through the perilous fight O'er the ramparts we watched Were so gallantly streaming And the rocket's red glare The bombs bursting in That our flag was still there Oh, say does that star-spangled Banner yet wave O'er the land of the free And the
Don't wait. The Fed has raised interest rates. That means your minimum credit card payments are going up. Don't let that happen to you. This is James Hawkins of Golden Oak Lending. Now's the time to consolidate your debt. Home values are up, and you can use the smart cash in your home to pay off debt or get rid of expensive PMI. Smart cash is the difference between what you owe and the new value of your home. And Golden Oak still has fixed rates in the threes. Call 567-GOLD. NMLS From the Discovery Design Truck Care and Manufacturing Studios, ddtruckusa.com. Good morning this morning, everybody, and happy Friday. Finally here. But alas, we have two more, three more days before the midterm election, before we can finally find out. What the verdict is when it comes to the midterms and what's happening there. Oh, yeah, everybody. I'm a soldier. We're going to figure out what we're going to do on uh, Tuesday. I talked to Sonny Wilson, and there are a variety of different watch parties all over the place. And I think that one way or the other, I'm fairly certain we're going to be live. I just don't know how organized the live is going to be. Uh, Sonny might be over where the Ann Wagner party is, and then I don't know where that is. But if it's if it's in some ballroom someplace, there's a good chance we'll be there just camping out. I, I generally, on election night, like to run around to different areas and find out what's going on, but sometimes... Uh, it's better just to stay put and figure out what's going on. We can always go over to Claire McCaskill's headquarters and watch all the long faces of the Democrats. We can do that. We can get a first-hand look. Look at that if you want to. <laughs> oh, I don't know. No, we won't be there. I won't be set up there, but it's a good idea. When I was at Channel 4, when I, we did election coverage, I was always... Uh, I, I was always kind of fun to kind of be over at the opposite corner because I was Channel 4 at the same, same time I was simultaneously on 97.1, so people kind of knew what my proclivities were. Didn't hide those, but they didn't always uh, appreciate my my appearance there. But I didn't care. You think I cared? I didn't care. Man, slow today. It's been tiring. Yeah, you know, Mama Kay, I was thinking about that at JP's. Maybe have a watch party there. Would you go? Brandy, this is Sade, baby. I love her. Man, I love her. Wow. She's got 
just her music is just amazing. Her voice is beautiful, and her songwriting is just out out of this world. And uh, it's really is a she's just amazing. Love her. You know, she comes into town every once in a while, and then but but the, the problem is, Charday's that 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 person that comes in, and then it's like the day of you find out she's here. Oh, you have to, I'm, I'm going to Charday. You're like, you have tickets to Charday? You mean here and say, yeah. Like, when did you find out about that? What happens is a lot of these concerts, they what they do is they uh, uh, they do, uh, are you talking about Basia Bulat, Suzanne? Because I love, I love her. Do you know, is, are you talking about Basia, Basia Bulat? Let me know if you're doing that, because I'm telling you. Then, then, okay, you and I got something to talk about there. Because she's great. She's, she's. I don't know wherever. She's not out there a whole lot, but it's bossy a lot. I think. I bet you're talking about her. But yeah, I. Uh, what happens is uh, the. Uh, yeah, Julie, kiss of life is awesome. No doubt. Uh, but I, I, they announced like a, a Sardet concert in February. When she's here in August, that's what happens, and, and that's because they'll sell out right away. But, that, but that's how I get tripped up. Is like in 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 uh, in August, I'll announce a concert, and Chardonnay's coming in March, and I, and I'll I'll uh, I'll be I'll be I'll miss it. But anyway, I, that's why I got to keep an eye on stuff. So Suzanne, were you talking about Bossy and Balot? I, I know you said great singer, amazing, but but are you is that who you're talking about? You better answer me. I'm going to come through there and and grab you and make you make you listen to me. I think it's Bossy Bulat. Let me just find. I I I played her a lot on uh, my show. So uh, if if that's who you're talking about, if you want to get into like awesome female singers, there's only one. Bo- but the, okay, there you are, Suzanne. Hi, thank you. Yeah, I have Bossy. You guys know who Bossy Bulat is, Suzanne? That's awesome. You know who that is because I. Uh, I, I love her. Here, you want to you want to you want to listen to Bossy Bulat? She's great. I don't think I would get kicked off for this. Do you think? Unless she's got really famous or something. Go on YouTube or something. You're gonna find video of her. She's really the best when she does these these sessions, like these little studio sessions. Like she'd be great in here in uh, Gaslight. She plays that ukulele and she's hugely talented. She can't be more than 25, 26 years old. She's a young woman and she's she's cute as heck and. Uh, she's great, but this is this is back. She's been around since you know, like two thousand seven, two thousand eight, like for ten years. You know, so she's good. 
But I like watching videos of her when she's just with her band, like in a gazebo someplace. It's really good. I think, I don't know whether Facebook is. Yeah, she's great. Bossy, take it away, baby. I'm kind of pushing it here because I think I think Facebook doesn't know who she is, or they're just not paying attention. Or they just... I haven't seen her in concert though. I don't see her coming around very often. But yes, look at some of those videos of her and uh, see. I'm sorry I'm talking over this. I just don't want to get kicked off. I don't. Uh, yeah, she's great. Look, look up some videos of her and just just playing like in a on a street corner. I mean, she's really good. But I'd love to see her in concert. She's really great musician and her and her music and her voice is beautiful. Basia Bulat, my friend. It's uh, it's Basia B A S I A Bulat B U L A T. Bulat, not to be confused with Bulat. That I've talked to you about, which I think is balut, which is the duck egg, the half-cooked duck egg. Yeah, Donna's like, wine, please. I know, you know. This, this is great music to just kind of hang out to. and the, the music is really good. Her, her fellow musicians, they're all just excellent and... And, and, and play a lot of uh, kind of folky type of thing. She's, you know, she's in the, she's in that, uh, she's that beautiful voice. And you get that uh, Nora Jones kind of type of vibe going for you. I know you guys like Nora Jones. People forget, speaking of Jones, that the uh, that the Ricky Lee Jones was the was the one who was the was the uh, was the grandmother of uh, of all these wonderful kinds of singers. They all kind of like yeah, it doesn't, you can go to Cheryl Crow, you can go to Bossia, you can go to Nora, you can even go to. Uh, Brandy Carlisle and others, and, and see that the uh, the Ricky Lee Jones in them. I don't have any. Do I have any Ricky Lee Jones? I bet you. I bet you they'd kick me off for that. I uh, I've had. I have Ricky Lee Jones albums, but I, but so so I'm so Rick. I, I haven't had her on uh, on iTunes. They always play Chucky's in Love, which is a, is a uh, which is not as good of a song as the Jones. Uh, uh, they don't even have her on. Is she even on iTunes for crying out loud? I don't know. Anyway, that's uh, Bossy Bulat, B U L A T. I'm gonna play that. I don't play that again. Uh, but 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 anyway, she's awesome and uh, love her, and I think you all can too. You know, go back to 
Chardet. Maybe he's played a little bit. Because I don't, I don't think I don't think I don't think anybody's working at Facebook this morning. Shh. Just kind of hang out a little bit and sneak some Chardet in. I don't think there's staff this morning over there at Facebook. I don't think the I don't think the algorithm people are working this morning. Yeah. Anyway, I'm pushing it. I better not. I better not. All right. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, uh, Jim. I did get your text. I just, you know, I can't. I don't have. Sometimes I just. I get. I get a lot of texts during the day. I must get a hundred of them during the day. So I. I. I will uh, get back to you on that. But we might do. We might actually do our election night at JP's corner. Who knows? But I'll talk to you later on. But Mama K said she'd be there. And we'll uh, we'll see. Uh, time and tide is something. A couple of uh, a couple of good uh, good songs from Bossy. Okay, I'll check those out. Love her though. But yeah, if you YouTube her, she's all over the joint. She'd be great. She she the, the typical Bossy and Bulat venue would be right here. They do that all the time, and, they, and she does all these. Uh, you know, sometimes radio shows do her. She come in and she'll do a little thing, but Charday's like, you know, Charday's interesting. She doesn't, um, <clears throat> Charday doesn't talk much. Like, you don't see her out there, like, like being interviewed and talking about politics and stuff. Like, she just kind of, she kind of keeps to herself. She comes out, she does these massive concerts where to attract, you know, 10,000 people, or, no, I'm sorry, 70,000 people, and just kind of does her thing. I don't even know, I don't, I don't, I don't really know a whole lot about Charday. Except about her music, which is kind of amazing. I love that. You see, the a lot of people are they're they're uh, speaking of women in politics. They're uh, they're promoting the uh, the women. You know, you saw Oprah down there for uh, for Stacey Abrams. I thought the funniest part of that was when Fox News decided to break away and take Oprah's speech, introducing Stacey Abrams. You know the, the the black female candidate for governor in Georgia played all the Oprah Winfrey talk, and then decided that uh, they were going to break away once Oprah went ahead and and introduced Stacey Abrams. They just didn't even bother to listen to Stacey Abrams. So much for that. Speaking of Oprah, though, by the way, I want to let you see let you see an intro from uh, from from. Uh, from from Lester Holt, and 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 let me let me tell you something about um about about Lester Holt and about NBC News and and what's so frustrating about watching these uh, particular kinds of uh, shows is that you know Lester Holt's an, an anchor. He's an NBC News anchor. He's not a he's not a guy who does the uh, the. He, oh okay, Suzanne Bossy does a different. Okay, that's fine. Uh, so. He's not a, he's not just like a guy who is a pundit at NBC News. He's not a he's not a person who is uh whose job is to opine. He's a news anchor. He's a news anchor that is now keep in mind I, I in the past have worn suits that generally are cut fairly slimly uh and everything else, but uh but 
But Lester Holt suits too small for him when he, that he's wearing here. And I, I've been I've been guilty of having uh, wearing slimmer suits, and you know it 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 it'll, it 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 uh, it cuts the edge a little bit sometimes. But uh, Lester's jacket doesn't fit him. I, th- I think he's trying to be slimmer than he actually is, which is not you know I, I get it, I understand, but 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 the jacket is pulling like it's it's like he's, I don't know. But anyway. Who am I? Gee whiz. My Mr. Blackwell. Two two people I want to know where the hell they, they got to. Mr. Blackwell and Stevie Cuchicaro or whatever the hell his name is. Remember him? That guy who used to be on uh, the Today Show all the time. And he used to be the guy who would uh, do all the critiques of how people dressed at the Oscars and things like that. And was always like, oh, you should see. He was like, okay, dude. Honestly, Stevie Cuchicaro. He looked a little like uh, Steven Tyler if Steven Tyler were, you know, uh, a little more feminine. Of course, you're like, you can get more feminine than than Steven Tyler? Yeah, if you, if, a little bit. But nonetheless, he's a little more along the, along those lines. <laughs> so thank you, Margaret. That's sweet. But anyway... Uh, aside from all that, so so you guys, if you guys, oh, Mr. Blackwell died. Thank you, Margaret. Uh, well, I'm I'm not happy about that. I'm just saying thank you for for letting me know. And, and if uh, if if you can, uh, if you guys can hunt down Stevie Kuchikaro, if I could just find out what the hell what happened to him. Anyway, Lester Holt's an, an anchor at NBC News. Okay, so this is this is an anchor. This is a news anchor. This isn't Lester Holt's cavalcade of opinions this is nbc news term vote republicans and democrats are playing their strongest hands tonight president trump playing the fear card over illegal immigration that's not a news fact that's an opinion right am i am i right or am i wrong where 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 the news anchor is saying President Trump is playing the fear card. That, that's, that's an opinion, correct? Or am I living in some kind of different world? That's an opinion, correct? Correct. Powerful and racially divisive new video. I mean, that's the new video I played for you yesterday. Calling this video racially divisive, that's your opinion. That's not a fact, right? Right. Good evening, everyone. Five days until the midterm vote, Republicans and Democrats are playing their strongest hands tonight. President Trump playing the fear card over illegal immigration. Let me ask you something. Well, let me get through this really quickly uh, because he's going to then call the the tape racially. Powerful and racially divisive new video. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you this. I wish I had something to give away. Excuse me for doing that in the microphone. <clears throat> I wish I had something to give away, uh but I don't. But uh I'm going to I'm going to ask you a question and 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 see While if you in can Georgia voter days until the midterm vote. Come on. Republicans and Democrats are playing their strongest hands tonight. Okay, Republicans and Democrats are playing their strongest hands tonight. Now, when you hear the news anchor Lester Holt say Republicans and Democrats are playing their strongest hands tonight, uh, what do you think is going to come next? Okay, Republicans, of course, 
are never going to be portrayed positively as having a strong hand. So you have to know that Lester Holt is insinuating that the strongest hand of the Republicans right now is playing a fear card. And who do you think the strongest hand of the Democrats will be? Right. Oprah. Exactly. This is what you're getting from NBC News. It's no, it's no wonder people don't watch this garbage. It's no wonder that the poor people over there at Channel 5, uh, their 6 o'clock news, why some of their numbers might be down. Uh, not by any fault of their own, but because uh, you know your lead-in is important, and certainly no one with any, who's who's any in any way, shape, or form uh, middle of the road or even conservative. We're not watching Lester Holt. You, you think you think we're going to tune in to Channel Five and NBC News to listen to this shit? Seriously. I mean, you think you think we're going to subject ourselves to this blathering from this left-wing news anchor? Uh you 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 got to be out of your mind. And and that's what we get. So it's no wonder we don't tune into this stuff. And you know what? I I'm I'm fairly you know, ecumenical about Oprah Winfrey. I, I, I said yesterday. You know, I have a, I have a ton of respect for her accomplishments. Uh, I think she's a, she's a. I think personally, she's a wonderful woman. Tell you the truth, I'm very impressed by Oprah Winfrey. I, I like her. She's a likable person. Uh, I don't, I, I don't agree with her supporting this, uh, this, uh, this left wing governor candidate down there in Georgia. I mean, Stacey Abrams is a is a left-wing uh, politician down there. Bless you, Matt. Is a left-wing politician down there. And and uh and and so Oprah supporting her is confusing to me, although uh cuz Oprah said she's she's voted Republican before, you know, but but uh but but I have a, I have a, I have a lot of respect for Oprah Winfrey. I think I think she's She's earned every penny that she has uh, she has made, and she is a person who's worked her butt off her entire life. Um, and again, I believe personally, she's a very uh, likable person, and 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 uh, and you know, I don't know. There's not there's not much there's not too many negative things I can say about Oprah Winfrey. I don't even care whether she supported Barack Obama or not or whatever. You know, she's just kind of one of those people who you. It's almost impossible not to admire what she's been able to do. The the the, the numbers of people that she's employed, and 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 the, the and the money she's made for all kinds of companies and advertisers and things like that. You got to respect that. But uh, but but I but I don't have to listen to this. And I, I actually don't even think Oprah is comfortable with these kinds of juxtapositions. Because what's happening is now Oprah Winfrey, who has put herself in the political arena and who is just, you know, attempting at some point to, uh, you know, make a difference. She probably is compelled and, she, and, and, the, and the woman's black. I mean, you know, Oprah's helping the sister out. 
I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but you know, I don't even know whether Oprah really is comfortable being the cudgel with which the news media beats Donald Trump and you over the head. Because, because keep in mind, there are a lot of people who watch Oprah and who pay attention to what Oprah does who are, who are also Trump supporters. I mean, a lot of you guys out there who vote for Donald Trump, I'm sure that you've probably enjoyed an Oprah show here and there. Maybe watch The Color Purple. I don't know. So I'm not quite sure Oprah really is, is the one who wants to be, uh, to, to be dragged into that. But, but she is. She's in the thick of it now. And, and, and to me, yeah, it's not unusual for her. She stepped out for Barack Obama. She's stepping out for Sister Stacey. But, but to me, if I'm Oprah Winfrey, although she doesn't have to worry about this anymore, because Oprah's got her, her money. She doesn't, she doesn't have, to, have to worry too much. But if I'm Oprah Winfrey, you're kind of hurting my brand here a little bit. You know, because Oprah's brand is um, more ecumenical, as evidenced by a lot of you out there who agree with me that, you know, yeah, kind of like her. I don't know. She's not offensive to me. Uh, but, but now... She's fast becoming that way because Lester Holt's deciding he's going to juxtapose Oprah Winfrey with with a with a uh, with a videotape he is calling racially divisive, powerful and I'm sorry and divisive. But I mean, and, and by the way, how is that video that I played yesterday that you've already seen? How is that video? Racist, by the way, featuring some cop-killing thug Latino boasting about killing more cops. How is it racist to decide that you're going to include that person as an example of the kinds of people that come here illegally? How, how is that racist? Is it just because the guy is, uh, is Latino? Is that why? Are we, are we not to point out? Any negative qualities about people who happen to be of a minority status? I mean, apparently that's what the Post-Dispatch does. Because believe me, you see the headline in the Post today that all of the family of this fallen officer are waking up to if they bother to read the Post-Dispatch. And that is about the, uh, ale- his alleged killer's tearful juvenile hearing. Yeah, let's, let's embrace all that, shall we? Let's read about the tearful juvenile hearing of the, uh, the, the, the two young men who are alleged to have killed in cold blood a police officer. Let's read about their tearful hearing on the morning that the guy is being buried. That the officer is being buried. That's a disgusting move on the part of the news media. That is, that is clearly more sympathetic to the to the people who who took a 40 caliber weapon and murdered a police officer who a retired police officer who's been serving the city for 35 years apparently they have more sympathy for those people than they do for the guy himself so much so that they don't even it doesn't even it doesn't even occur to them that the headline in the post dispatch on the morning of the funeral of a fallen officer should not be necessarily about the tearful juvenile hearing of his alleged killers it doesn't seem to, uh, to, to make too much sense to me. 
and, I, and by the way, there's also an article in the Post. And again, I didn't read it further enough because I'm not paying 99 cents to read their crap. But but the uh, the the article about the three white supremacists that they arrested, the Aryan Nation dudes, right? I guarantee you we're not going to read about their tearful hearing, are we now? They could cry all they want to at their hearing, but we're not going to read about the tearful hearing of a white supremacist. But it's okay to, to, uh, to, to go ahead and, and, and lodge direct sympathy for two black dudes who are alleged to have killed a cop. That's perfectly okay. My gosh, this, this story, uh, the, the, this headline today is, is simply the tip of the iceberg of four days of coverage focusing almost exclusively on the sympathies and the, and the families weeping about how their sons would never have done. They're just schoolboys, and, we're, and, we're, and I can't wait to see uh, the uh, – thankfully, it looks like the Post has some level of decency because maybe they're going to wait until the police officer's buried before we see the eighth-grade graduation pictures of the two alleged killers. Because that's coming soon to a post-dispatch near you. We'll see them in their eighth grade graduation hats in no time. There, there won't be any more mugshot pictures of these guys anymore or the 17 or whatever. There won't be any mugshot pictures of them, I'm sure. They'll be treated like they're the they're, uh, uh, Tweedledum and Tweedledee. Just happened to be bouncing around one morning and accidentally shot a cop in a robbery with a 40 caliber handgun that's that's the kind of stuff we're going to be uh getting from the news media i'm sure down the line but boy the the idea that you're you're the post dispatch and you decide that that's going to be your headline the morning that they that a fallen st louis city police officer is buried is about the the the, the uh, tearful hearing of his alleged killers unbelievable Unbelievable. But where was I? Oh, yeah, to the ad. So this ad is apparently racially uh, racist because you, because you shall not point out any deficiencies of an illegal immigrant or anything, any crime that an illegal Im- Ill- immigrant commits because, uh, because uh, yeah, Bindi points out one of these kids was arrested on gun charges a couple weekends ago, and all we're hearing is about how they're in high school. I guarantee you, it, it won't be long before Mama's sitting on her couch with a picture of uh, watch his face in his in his eighth grade graduation cap. But it, it, that's coming. It'll be it'll be on her couch, or they'll be sitting on the porch with their long faces. And 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 if we get a glimpse of the police officer's uh, shocked, stunned family. We'll see. I'm sure they'll cover the funeral, though, because just because they have to. But nonetheless, anyway, they were loving on some Oprah here, and this is the uh, interim. Good oh, go evening, ahead. everyone. Five days until the midterm vote. Republicans and Democrats are playing their strongest hands tonight. President Trump playing the fear card over illegal immigration with a powerful and racially divisive new video. <laughs> That's unbelievable that's coming out of the mouth of a news anchor. Unbelievable. 
But let's go then to the Democrats. Uh, strongest hand, shall we? While in Georgia, voters answered knocks at the door only to come face to face with Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> this is unbelievable. This is, I mean, I, I'm laughing, and I know a lot of you are. This is driving you nuts. But this is, this is your world here. I mean, this is, I, I'm, I've just played 19 seconds of your world. <laughs> this is unbelievable. And I, you know what? I'm going to start it from the beginning again because I, I'm thinking that I'm watching a, a Saturday Night Live skit about this. I'm, th- I'm thinking that I'm, I'm watching like a skit about how biased the news media is. Because you could, I'm thinking I'm, wa- I'm watching an Onion piece or whatever about how biased the news media is. I mean, you couldn't write a better 19 seconds to explain how biased the news media is than this 19 seconds on NBC News. Playing their strongest hand, President Donald Trump with a racially divisive video. And on the other hand, in Georgia, it's like a publisher's clearinghouse commercial. Oprah Winfrey showing up at the doorsteps of everybody. It's unbelievable. Of course, the only thing that would make it better is if the people who were answering the door going, you didn't bring me anything? I I don't have a... uh, You didn't bring me a... uh, Chevy Malibu or a, a, you didn't even bring me a box of perfume. Well, you didn't even, you didn't even bring me a box of, a box of, a gift box like you normally do. What am I, chopped liver? But yeah, this, this is the most comical 19 seconds of this election cycle. I think we just found it. And, and it's almost like, it's almost like, like Lester Holt is 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 not a, a slouch. I mean, he's he's a he's a uh, you know he's a, he's, been, he's been around the block. I mean, you know, he got his job thanks to the fact that he's black. But 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 he's but as an anchor there, replacing Brian Williams. But 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 Lester Holt actually has you know has a little bit of swagger when it comes to journalism, and he's now immersed in this thing. Queen coming off the good evening, everyone. Five days until the midterm vote. Republicans and Democrats are playing their strongest hands tonight. President Trump playing the fear card over illegal immigration with a powerful and racially divisive new video. While in Georgia, voters answered knocks at the door only to come face to face with Oprah Winfrey, the talk queen, coming off the political sidelines today to rally support for Georgia's Democratic candidate for governor. It's unbelievable how. They set this thing up at 19 seconds. Make history next Tuesday night. The Oprah show came to Georgia today. And you get and you get the media mogul telling this is, a this is CBS. crowd that she called Democrat Stacey Abrams out of the blue this week. I'm here today because Stacey Abrams cares about the things that matter. Yeah. Well. Listen, Oprah's entitled to her opinion, and and she's more than earned it. So, 
whatever whatever she wants she gets but Stacey Abrams is a far left politician down there in Georgia and Oprah I don't blame her for wanting to help out the sister but 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 I'm not quite sure that she has all, all that much symmetry with Oprah's general sensibilities but that's CBS news Oprah on the trail she cares about Medicaid expansion. She cares about keeping families together. She also went door to door. To the shock of some Georgia voters. Oprah is a registered independent and has only stumped for one other major candidate. He is the one. Barack Obama! <laughs> Today with Republican candidate Brian Kemp, Vice President Mike Pence. I'm kind of a big deal, too. I got a message for all uh, Stacey Abrams' liberal Hollywood friends. This ain't Hollywood. This is Georgia. <laughs> I asked Abrams. I, I, think, I think it's pretty funny, though. P- Pence does the same thing I think Oprah does, which is interesting because uh, uh, Pence sounds like he's from Georgia. I got news for y'all. Those Hollywood liberals. <laughs> so I guess it's what happens when you're in the uh, when you're in in Rome. You speak as the Romans do. Although I didn't know a lick of Italian when I was there, but yeah. About that. By the way, I do like I do happen to like it when the reporters are and they don't know uh, they don't know Spanish and and they're and they're talking to people who don't know Spanish or they're, or who have broken English and they're talking like they are, you know, uh, like they, they change the English as they're talking to people in Spanish. Like, uh, like they'll talk, like the person they're talking to is, is Spanish and uh, is Mexican and they don't know any Spanish, but they're talking like, so you go to caravan time to end of border. It's like, wh- how do you, they don't know English? So why are you talking like you are speaking in Spanish, but it's actually really English? It's like really weird to hear them try to extract information. But I'm 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 getting sidetracked as I normally do. And then you had uh, then you had Chuck Todd with the with the uh, Oprah and the and the better angels and. The Trump darker demons, and it's all that kind of thing. I gotta it's an interesting that, you know, contrast, you know, yes, when you watch the way the president is is sort of his closing message. Yes. Oprah, uh, what she did there, very much trying to sort of determine optimism, I guess, if you will, trying to be the, the, the contrast, better angels versus darker demons, ah, things yeah, like that. Yeah, darker, yeah, that darker demon, all right. It's interesting how, you know, back to real quickly Lester Holt's strongest hands thing. Uh, you know, the the stronger hand that the Republicans are playing is not the tape of the thug, vile Mexican cop killer. It's it's a uh, it's the economy. And, and, and the more that the news media can play up this idea that somehow they're making this all about immigration the better off they figure Democrats will be, but nothing changes the the economy. Nothing changes the fact that the economy is growing. 
that the GDP is high, that employment is almost full, the wages are increasing, sectors that generally or normally vote Democrat are in fact benefiting a great deal from the Republican policies. I'm talking about blue-collar workers, union workers, those kinds of things. And so uh, those individuals are going to the polls too. And I will have to tell you that that it's a sad thing that Paul Ryan hasn't stepped up to help. I think Paul Ryan just doesn't want another Republican to show him up as House Speaker, so he just soon give it to the Democrats because that's just his personality. But but if you're a Republican again and, and you lose in this environment, you're either in a you already won your seat because you just simply uh, dumb luck and you were in a Democrat district and just you you're able to sell Democrats to you. Or you're a horrible candidate. But if you lose as a Republican in this environment, uh, there's something wrong with you as far as I'm concerned. Uh, by the way, it's interesting to, to note that generally what, what normally happens in elections, and, they, and this is just the, the trend we're seeing now with early voting. Normally, when it comes to uh, elections, even midterm elections and beyond, Early voting is generally done is generally favoring Democrats. I don't know why that is. I don't. I don't know why uh, early voting in the past has done it. Man, it's freaking cold in here. Or am I coming down with a cold? You think? I feel like I could. I could uh, store meat in here. I gotta bring that. I, gotta, I need to bring that uh, beer in from my car and put it in here and chill it for after the show. Maybe leaving it in the car would chill it, but for those of you listening on the stream, that's actually not my hoodie zipper. Just so you know, I'll play zipper zipper music for you. So anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, so normally early voting is uh, is is it belongs to Democrats and. Democrats, oh, don't get me, uh, really a flu shot? Uh-oh. Lisa had to go on and say, get your flu shot the minute that my mother-in-law has come on to the, uh, onto the, onto the Facebook page. Lisa, you had to say, get your flu shot right when my mother-in-law, Kathy, came on the Facebook page. And my mother-in-law, Kathy is a flu shot Nazi. And I don't mean to call her a Nazi, but you know what I'm saying? I, 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 uh, uh, she will tell me every day to get my flu shot from now on. Now, now she will. And, uh, yes, yeah, she's, I, I, I'm a little, I am a little, st- I don't know what it is. I don't know what it's the weather. It's, it's this, it's this, you know, it's this weather. I'm, I'm just such a spoiled, rotten brat. When it comes to warm weather, I just I love warm weather. When it gets below sixty, I'm a baby about it. And you know, I went I went out I went out took took the took the kids trick or treating. Uh, we all wandered around the street there, and I I had a t shirt on. I didn't have even a jacket on. So, but maybe that maybe that was it. I don't know. But yeah, my now my mother in law will tell me get the get your flu shot. I actually don't. I I remember I, last time I got a flu shot, I felt like I got sick. 
So we go back and forth over whether or not you should get a flu shot or not and, and all this kind of stuff. And I kind of never do get one because I'm afraid it's going to make me sick. And I realize the flu shot doesn't have the flu in it, whatever. But for whatever reason, I get sick when I get the flu shot. All right, let me go back to the to the to some things that you guys uh uh <laughs> who got the flu last year? Did I get the flu last year? I don't remember getting the flu last year. I never get well when was the last time people let me ask you this and, and ever since I got the uh uh back on the ear here in May, when was the last time I was sick? When was the last time I was, I was ever sick, people? Let me tell you something. Keep taking that B12, those vitamins that I get from Nutrition HQ, NHQ.rocks, and now I'm, I'm going to be fine. Father Tom's off to uh, All Souls Day Mass. Yes. Oh, no, Lisa, it's okay. I'm just, I'm just kidding you. It's, I just, we go back and forth over this thing. and um, Sometimes I get uh, the flu shot from, uh, from Aunt Michelle. Kathy's sister, who uh, is a nurse, and so she sometimes will, uh, we we sometimes will get flu shots from her just in the like in the living room or something, which is fine. So I, I that's the last time I got a flu shot was when Aunt Michelle gave it to me. But anyway, so let me get back to the numbers real quickly here. These numbers are important. So normally, early voting numbers will be focused, will be belonging to the uh, the. Democrats, for some reason, early voting numbers usually go to Democrats. I don't know why. Uh, I, I, that, that just has happened in the past. But for the past two elections, that hasn't happened. And I'm talking about the election of 2016 and now. So normally what would happen is you'd have a situation where uh, early voting is generally more Democrats, and then the actual polling place voting is where you get the highest turnout among Republicans. That's not the case this time around. I don't know what that means. I'm not quite sure what kind of bellwether that is. But nonetheless, uh, it appears this time that the early voting is more Republican. And so if that's the case, Things could be wildly different than other people are predicting, perhaps, that they will be. And so, and I think we're seeing that now because, uh, and, and we're seeing, for instance, like the Oprah effect, like Oprah's coming out just days before the midterms. That's a pretty good indication that there are a lot of people in the Democratic Party who aren't so sure that what the news media has decided was a foregone conclusion is indeed the foregone conclusion, and that is the Democrats are going to take over the House. And keep in mind, Oprah's role here, and again, I, I like Oprah, so I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to say anything bad about her because, I mean, I think she's earned every ounce of whatever she wants to do. What Oprah wants to do, Oprah can do as far as I'm concerned. But nonetheless, she's got a certain usefulness in this case not only just helping this Stacey Abrams person, but keep in mind the, the coverage she got from the news media and, and from everybody else is, uh, is interesting because it seemingly – she now represents all Democrats. You, you, you've noticed that, that that effect has taken place where she's now basically uh, you know, the, the, the head of the Democratic Party now. 
because otherwise, you know, the 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 NBC News and CBS and ABC and CNN and these guys, they, they don't really care about a, a governor's race in Georgia all the time. But for the purposes of advancing the Democrat Party agenda, Oprah Winfrey has been gold for the party because now everybody's thinking, oh, Oprah's a Democrat. She loves all Democrats. Uh, and, and, and that tends to help. But again, as I told you before and I told you earlier in the week, it's my opinion that this election's over and the election was over last week. There's not anything that's going to change. If you're, if you're a person who's on the fence, I mean, really? Let's see. Josh Hawley or Claire McCaskill? I mean, come on. You gotta, are you kidding me? There's, there, there are people out there now still not knowing where they're going to vote, whether they're going to vote for Josh Hawley or, uh, or Claire McCaskill. All right. Speaking of uh, women's things, a while back we got into the discussion about women's magazines, and I talked about uh, about the you know Red Book and Cosmo and how my mom used to get Red Book and Red Book had the had the casseroles on the cover and Cosmo had the you know hot models on the cover and then you had maybe Vogue or whatever we never we didn't have Vogue around our house but Red Book. And uh, maybe sometimes Family Circle, you know, those kinds of magazine. And Glamour was one we didn't talk about. But Glamour magazine uh, is around still. And Glamour magazine just unveiled its annual Women of the Year edition. Now, let me ask you this. Who do you think the women of the year are. And let me ask you whether or not you believe that the women of the year might be, oh, uh, Nikki Haley, or who is the very wildly successful, now former UN ambassador, Nikki Haley. Or how about uh, uh, Melania? You think Melania would be uh, listed as the Women of the Year in in uh, Glamour magazine? Nah, not at all. Kamala Harris and a woman by the name of Chrissy Teigen. Now, of course, uh, Kamala Harris is a rabidly anti-Trump person, and uh, Chrissy Teigen. Is the is the wife of John Legend, and and they go on regular tantrums on social media every time President Trump does something. There's uh, Christian Christy Teigen, Chrissy Teigen, going off on President Trump. Uh, and, and and so Teigen now has been named Woman of the Year, and she's been praised as the unofficial spokesperson for Generation Fed Up. So there you go. There you have it. There you are. That's what you get when you uh, pick up Glamour magazine. Meanwhile, speaking of the ladies, did you know that Geraldo went on The View, which I think is a brave thing to do, I guess, and and Geraldo's a pretty interesting guy. I I kind of have grown to like him quite a bit. Uh, You know, he... Initially, was one of the uh, a little bit on the fence about Trump, and always claimed he knew Trump, and at one point even claimed that he had a uh, 
he had he knew there was tape existing of President Trump doing terrible things. But Geraldo uh, is wrong a lot, uh, even though when he's right, it's always very effective. Geraldo is is kind of wrong a lot. And he was wrong about President Trump in the election. He was wrong about these apprentice tapes that he said existed. Well, by the way, whatever happened to these apprentice tapes? Do we know of whatever happened to the apprentice tapes that supposedly are out there with President Trump saying the N-word and, and being sexual or whatever else? Where, where, whatever happened to the uh, – whatever happened to the apprentice tapes? Do we know? And whatever happened to whatever happened to Amarosa? Where'd she go? Where did where did she go with her uh, with her N word tape? Where is that? Is is that still around too? I mean, at one point there was all this talk about all these tapes out there, and we haven't seen one of them yet. Not one. Where are they? And you'd think that, you know, this that would be perfect for the midterms to come out with uh, President Trump saying the N-word, wouldn't you? Oh, no, we're waiting for 2020. Okay, gotcha. You are? Why? I mean, you could, you could, you could use this uh, – you could use this for the midterms. I mean, listen, if you've, got, if you've got to work so hard and you've got to pull out Oprah, wouldn't it be easier just to err on a – an, an Amorosa Trump saying the N word tape that would have been that would have been great. You could have offset a lot of things with with doing that, but they apparently didn't. Anyway, Geraldo did the same thing I did, although I'm not going to apologize to the View about it. Yes, yeah, Suzanne, right? Maybe they are saving. But why would you save them? I it doesn't mean you know. Listen, the uh, when you're on tape saying the N word. And you have President Trump allegedly saying the N-word on tape. Uh, that kind of tends to have an everlasting effect, I think. Don't you, I mean, I, I think that, that once, you, uh, once you're on tape and you're Donald Trump, let's say, and you're President of the United States and you're on tape saying the N-word, that tends to kind of have a lasting effect on your, on your life, I would think. So... You you do it now, and then it would and then it would last until you know twenty twenty. The N word t- kind of has a, a a long shelf life when you're on tape using it. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, so Geraldo did the the the, the same thing I did. Right, of course, Lisa, because they didn't exist. Yes, exactly. I appreciate that. Uh, but but here's uh, so Geraldo did the same thing I did. I it was hard for me to believe that the person who sent all the Bugs Bunny bombs to these people, it's hard for me to believe that that person would be a Trump supporter because of the effect of the bombs of, of the threats that that they had on the perception of these poor Democrats who were the people who received the the Bugs Bunny bombs were some of the worst players in the Democratic Party, the most vile characters and, and the most mouthy. I'm not again, I'm not saying they deserved to get these pipe bombs. Uh, didn't didn't I'm not saying that at all. But 
at the time I was like, well, it's it's impossible that a Trump supporter could do, be doing this because look at what the effect is. You're you're making Maxine Waters into a victim. How is that possible that you could make such a vile, dirty mouthed individual like Maxine Waters into a victim? There's no way this could be a Trump supporter. How could you possibly turn Hillary Clinton into a victim? How could how could you possibly turn turn Robert De Niro, who every other day wants to punch Donald Trump in the mouth? How could you turn Robert De Niro into a victim? Or how could you turn Joe Biden into a victim? These are all people who have exacerbated the lack of civility in our politics. All these people who have been some of the worst players, who have been some of the, the worst insiders of violence we've seen. How is it possible that the person who sent these Bugs Bunny bombs out could possibly be a Trump supporter? Because this isn't this is all being blamed on President Trump now, and all the Democrats are victims. So it turns out that that uh, Geraldo was wrong. I was wrong, only because we couldn't figure out. And and it turns out that that in the end, it, it had to be probably the dumbest, most steroid brain rattled stripper idiot. You could possibly imagine van driving dope. You could possibly imagine. You talk about, excuse me, the bombs coming out of central casting, like a Warner Brothers prop room. This guy came out of central casting, complete with the van and the stickers and the this and the that. It got to the point where actually, uh, to me, Democrats have actually been uh, been gracious in, in not ramming this down our throats. I mean, even even Democrats are like, yeah, that guy was pretty crazy, pretty weird. I mean, even it, it seems to me, because I mean, otherwise, because they, because they, there were people who exploited this and made this out to be like, oh, see, he's another Trump supporter. But to me, the the, the blowback hasn't been nearly as severe as I thought it was going to be. Because I think even people on the left are going, yeah, that dude was really epically crazy. We'll give you that. I mean, we we will try to make him out to be a typical Trump supporter, but most people aren't going to buy it. This guy is driving around in a van with stickers, and he's just this this uh, you know overweight former male stripper bodybuilder weirdo. So I mean, you know, it turns out. The Democrats were, I, I guarantee you, were not happy that this wasn't just some sinister, you know, uh, proud boy or a uh, white supremacist or, you know, this guy was just clearly a sicko. But anyway, Geraldo was on The View, and I think it was pretty brave of him to go on The View and uh, and, and and do this and and. And uh, and by the way, Jack was like civility. Lack of civility exists on both sides. Stop with the stop with the trash. Stop with the the attempt to marginalize the effect of Hillary Clinton calling people deplorable. Hillary Clinton saying there will be no civility until Democrats get elected uh, and take over Congress. 
uh, Maxine Waters telling people to accost each other in a restaurant or whatever. There's no comparison at all to President Trump talking about some congressman uh, pushing a reporter. So, Jack, I love you. I appreciate you listening to the show. But those of us out here are not buying this attempt to try to level the playing field between lack of civility among among Republicans and lack of civility among Democrats. I've got 600 cases on the log right now of Trump supporters being physically attacked and harmed by other people. 600. In the past three years, videotape of Trump supporters getting their hats knocked off, getting hit in the forehead with bike locks by Antifa, getting egged as they're waiting to see a Trump rally, getting called racist, getting called deplorable, uh, getting yelled at in restaurants, having, having their businesses vandalized. I've seen it. Show me one example. That, that compares to anything the Democrats have said or done in anger against the election of President Trump, Jack. I'm not going to buy into this idea that, well, you know, both sides have been uncivil. Bull crap. And you know it, and I know it. Look at the list of people who have been accosted, harassed, and attacked. I guarantee you, if this were Repub- Republicans meeting this crap out, And by the way, how many Democrat politicians have been shot by a Democrat? Again, I'm not buying into this. Well, you know, both sides are responsible. Bullshit. And and, and, and again, stop trying to act as if both sides are culpable here. The, the, The fact of the matter is, There's case after case, and and believe me, if Republican activists were running into restaurants and shouting at Maxine Waters, how do you think that would go over? How do you think that would fly? I mean, how how do you think uh, that that would – if if somebody walked into uh, a restaurant and started screaming at an Obama cabinet member, how do you think that would go over? If, if, if somebody were out there, uh, you know, on CNN saying that, that, that white men are, respo- are terrorists, that we, that, that we need to possibly ban white men instead of uh, radical Muslims, how far do you think that would go? Again, I'm not. I'm not buying your your Channel Nine view of what civility is here. I'm not buying your your uh, your KTC NPR. Well, both sides are culpable view of what's happening here. We know the people who are the bad players here. And again, I, I don't mean to be angry about it, but 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 again, let's just look at the facts and look at the people who are doing uh, the bad things to uh, other Americans, and it's not Republicans. What what President Trump uh, Trump uh, calling calling uh, Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas is that a lack of civility when this woman lies about her Indian heritage? Again, sorry, not buying into the both sides are culpable thing. 
and 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 uh, the lack of civility that we've seen on the part of what Democrats have been doing to Republicans and to Trump voters and conservatives is is beyond anti-American. It's it's entering into the third world, is what what this is all about. And so again, sorry to go off on you like that, but but I'm but a lot of us are kind of tired of the the yeah, but on the other hand, it's like no, not on the other hand. And by the way, uh, you want to go ahead and and and, and I realize T shirts don't always tell you uh, everything about everybody. But you want to go to the smoking gun and look up Obama T-shirt mugshots, and you'll see you'll see upwards of seventy to a hundred people in Obama mugshots in Obama T-shirts in mugshots after committing violent crimes or property crimes or what have you, and they're wearing Obama T-shirts. Believe me, if you had seventy Trump supporters. 70 people with Make America Great Again t-shirts on in any kind of, in any mugshot for that matter. Have you seen one, by the way? Except for the, uh, the guy did the, who did the bombs, have you, the Bugs Bunny bombs. Have you seen one mugshot of a guy with a Make America Great Again shirt on? I could show you 70 with Obama shirts on. Now, does that am I drawing a conclusion about Obama then? No, not not particularly, but but uh but but at that point, you know, who just who are you kidding? I mean, I, I love I actually think it's very funny about the uh about the uh the uh about the mug shots. Go to the smoking gun and see him. They're all like 70 of them. I think I counted 70. I can't remember. Their mug shots on with their with their Obama T-shirts on in mug shots. If, I believe me, if that was a Make America Great Again gallery of thugs, it would be it would be all over the front page of every newspaper, of every angle, of every this, of every that. I mean, the 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 news media has to work hard to try to find individuals. They lucked out with the. With the bomber, but even as I point out, even even other Democrats are kind of like, yeah, he's nuts. I can't really, we can't really use him too much because yeah, and 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 unfortunately he's not white, so that really killed. That really was a buzzkill for a lot of Democrats. Damn it! Why couldn't he just be white? Can we make him white? Can we like they did with George Zimmerman in the Trayvon Martin thing? Yeah, that white guy's like. He, He's white? Yeah. I think he's half white. Yeah, that's okay. Well, isn't he half Hispanic? Yeah. Why don't you call him Hispanic? Because we want to call him white, so they call him white. Don Lemon actually finally won the jackpot. Don Lemon finally was the guy, because I told you that that ultimately uh, there are, uh, that, that they would make this guy white. The, the the Bugs Bunny bomber that they make him white and they did because Don Lemon did yeah there's white men terrorists I'm like you mean the bomber yeah that guy well, he's Filipino and identifies as Native American ah oh, so what you know it's kind of one of those things so anyway sorry about that all that stuff did they Scotty they when they put they put a uh, you mean Zimmerman's shot when they do when they did the Photoshop they lightened his skin that wouldn't surprise me. 
<laughs> they did white face on him. But that, that there's so much you can do with, with, with all of that. Anyway, to, to my point. So Geraldo goes on the uh, – and I'm sorry that I cussed earlier. I generally don't cuss. But they never cuss. People say, well, you're going to cuss because you're on the satellite? You're on this? Like, yeah, but my, in the past at 97.1, I never cussed. Why would I just start cussing now? But I did this morning when I said BS. Normally, I don't really, you know, because you know, here's the thing. I want you guys to listen to this show on the way to school like you did at 97.1, and I want you to be able to, uh, you know, to, to kind of uh, have, a, have it kid-friendly. I don't want you having to punch out when – my language goes uh, south like that, but uh, but nonetheless, I sometimes you know, BS is BS, and it's BS that somehow both sides are culpable for the incivility. I'm not I'm, I'm not going to do the uh, the you know Washington Weekly Channel Nine panel view of of incivility. Let's look at the facts, and you'll see. All right. So anyway. Um, well, no, I didn't say it, but see, Suzanne, I didn't say BS. I said the whole shooting match. That's what I did. It felt good, too. I've got to tell you. It did, uh, it did feel good to be able to say that. But generally, like in a, in a, uh, on radio, even if you wanted to cuss, you, you wouldn't because, because we're, I've been trained to, to not, you know, you, you, when you're near a microphone, you got to be so careful about everything that comes out of your mouth. So, uh, you know, you have to be careful about all that. So generally, your your brain is telling you that you, you should not cuss. And I've been trained by that. But but sometimes it is. Uh, I know, Suzanne. You didn't even know. See? I know. Yeah. I know. By the way, what's so funny is we were talking about this whole uh, tweet thing and the firing. One of the craziest things about the whole 97-1 thing is in, and, and the firing stuff is that uh, – I said worse things on the air, and nobody bats an eye when I when I was on ninety seven one. I mean, I said more, more more controversial things than that, and that wasn't even controversial because it wasn't even directing it at anybody. I was like, I I've said more worse things on the on the air, on the, actually the the on the ninety seven one airwaves, and nobody seemed to bother with it. In fact, that's the other little known fact about the case. Uh, that we're going to be bringing up, obviously, is that uh, they didn't care about the tweet at 97.1 either. Just so you know, just just filling you in. Nobody cared about it until Sinclair did over TV, and then and then they all did. But uh, I that tweet was hanging around since March 26th, and it wasn't until about April 7th that anybody even mentioned it to me. Oh, by the way, some people mad about your tweet. Yeah, we don't care. They'll go away. It's not a big deal. Just don't say anything. I'm like, okay. And then it became a thing. It's like, still don't say anything. So they they didn't care. They wanted it. To, they wanted it to blow over. And actually, it did blow over. But they just uh, felt like they had to be. Uh, they were pressured by Sinclair's uh, letting me go with the TV show, which, by the way, was supposed to end in June anyway. Unfortunately, the Almond Report would have been over in June. Because they were anticipating this merger that actually didn't happen, so there's a chance they might have brought it back. But the show was over anyway, and it was an easy call for them. But nonetheless, all right. So Geraldo is on. Uh, let me. Uh, 
Lisa wants me to cover the amendments again. I'm going to do all that on Monday, okay? Um, okay. N- let me see. Hold on a second here. Uh, no. Uh, I'm j- this is Jim Talent. I, mean, I, I just need to get a hold of him real quickly here. Because uh, he's supposed to be on with me, and he just has had a, a busy morning. Um, so... Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna see if with, with uh, Jimmy, I'm gonna leave my. Okay. Okay. Good. I'll call him at eight. Uh, so anyway, Geraldo's on the View, and Geraldo basically apologized for, you know, all the for 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 misstating what he thought was going to be the guy. And Geraldo's pretty good, but Geraldo is good because these people kind of like him a little bit. And and and, and Geraldo can kind of squeeze in a few, you know, a few common sense things without getting uh, too belittled. But he was anyway, though. Last week, in the wake of bombs being sent to prominent Democrats and CNN, where your daughter works, I understand. Right, she's a okay. producer. So you said this, watch. At the risk of sounding like a far right wing lunatic, I have to say that I believe that this whole thing was an elaborate hoax. Well, I, I okay. was a. I, I, I sounded like a far right wing lunatic, too. It's okay, Geraldo. The difference between you and me is that I'm not going and apologizing to Joy Behar. Wing so. lunatic. Right that, that, yeah, yeah. I apologize for it. It was a brain fart. <laughs> uh, I said what I believed at the time. Why? I, Where did, what? You well, know that was total BS, and you and, know... And, 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 and Geraldo makes the same case I did in, in getting this thing wrong. We're too you know? smart not to know that. Well, I... I... <laughs> See, I told you they like him. Everybody's clapping because he's you're too smart not to know that, and they're all clapping for him. So, Geraldo's got these people. <laughs> I, I hope you're apologizing to the too smart aspect of what you said. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> here's, I just give you ten seconds on my reasoning. I had just spoken to a couple of cops, experts in in demolition and, and bomb experts, who told me that the devices were not viable. So I said, why a, a, why would a Trump lover? send out fake bombs guaranteed to hurt the president in the wake, uh, in the lead up to the midterms. It just seemed cartoonish so to me. Got, and, 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 and that's what we all thought because we saw the result of the Bugs Bunny bomb stuff and it was all helping the Democrats because they were able to say, you know, see, you know, even after Maxine Waters ordered all her flying monkeys to attack people at every level gas stations restaurants you name it she was still able to go on to have a videotape going you know we need to be more civil thanks to the bugs bunny bomber thanks buddy but i mean you know so so it stood to reason that there was no way this could have been a trump supporter who who thought it would be driving around in a van with uh, hillary clinton's picture with a crosshair barack obama (laughs) we didn't know that before it just seemed to me too pat i'm sorry i said it i never should have opined uh when i didn't uh, geraldo come on yeah you should have it's okay oh i i absolutely send my sincere apologies to everyone at cnn when my daughter (laughs) works and anyone else who may this was worse than al capone's vault by (laughs) (laughs) no it wasn't Unfortunately, dude, you 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 can you can try to erase uh, the Al Capone vault deal, but uh, that's 
that's not going to be happening. Also, one of the most interesting bits that uh, I saw uh, coming across the transom was the, uh, did you see the Tree of Life Rabbi Jeffrey Myers when he was on CNN with Allison Camerata? Boy, did they not want to hear this. But they did. And to Allison Camerata's credit, uh, they they listened and they they didn't interrupt the guy. And he was very interesting. You're not going to hear this in a whole lot of other places. And I think there were a lot of people who were not uh, didn't want to talk to the rabbi because they knew that he would actually be nice to the president, and they didn't want that. They liked to keep playing that screaming woman you know, two blocks away from the synagogue when the president was there, but they didn't really want to, they didn't really want Jeffrey Myers out there a whole lot because Jeffrey Myers was adding a level of uh, opinion to the goings on in the aftermath of the shooting there at the synagogue that, that, that people didn't really want to hear. They really were hell bent on making this Donald Trump's fault. And they didn't want the actual rabbi of the synagogue saying something that refuted what they said. So uh, he wasn't interviewed a whole lot, but to CNN's credit, and even Allison Camerata, she, they interviewed him. And, and I don't know, you guys hear this? This is really, really interesting. I was introduced by um, Ambassador Ron Dermer from, from Israel to the President and the First Lady and to Jared and Ivanka. Um, after we shook hands, I uh, escorted the, the family into Tree of Life. I was privileged to have a private 15 or 20 minutes with the family. Um, the president um, was very warm, very consoling, um, put his hand on my shoulder. And the first question he asked me was, Rabbi, tell me, how are you doing? And I must say, throughout the time we spent together, I was pleasantly surprised by a, a warm uh, uh, and personal side to the president that I don't think America has ever seen. Yeah. Uh, I told uh, my personal. I told my personal story of my experience, which um, they found quite um, shocking and absurd. Allison Camerata was kind of wincing when he said the uh, a warm and personal side of the president. I don't think America has ever seen. And now, now I believe me. There are some people going, "Yes, yeah, see, President Trump never shows his warm side." The fact of the matter is, actually, there's a lot about the president that is very visible and, and that if America really wanted to see it, they'd be able to because we're able to see it too. We're able to see a vulnerable, regular human being who identifies with regular Americans every day. If you just, if you just took a look at him, if you just watched how he talked, if you, if you saw the kind of courage it takes for him to say what well, I'm actually going to play for you in a second here about what, 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 what will happen to these migrants if they throw rocks at our military and our law enforcement people, the way they're throwing rocks right now at helicopters who are uh, monitoring their progress. I don't know whether you saw those videos of the, uh, of the, the so-called tired, hungry, poor migrants who are just coming for a brand new life in America with the uh, bandanas over their faces throwing rocks at helicopters that are that are inhabited by 
U.S. military personnel. Those are the people who are coming to Laredo, my friends, and to San Diego if they could make it. But but nonetheless, uh, so President Trump, when he said that, you know, he's he's a he's a normal guy. Sometimes he's too normal for some people, and I and I understand that. I don't even want my president tweeting. It's like, well, okay, well, whatever. Then then ban Twitter altogether because he's going to utilize it just like you do. Anyway, the rabbi. Um. We talk. I shared the same message that I've shared with you throughout the course of the week, that hate speech has no place in our society, that hate speech leads to actions of hate. Hate speech led to the death of, of seven of my congregants and 11 total in my building. Uh, and we shared more other personal conversation that I'd respectfully like to keep personal. Understood. We then uh, lit... We let uh, 11 memorial candles in our large sanctuary because the chapel uh, is still a crime scene um, and is not um, available, as well as, honestly, uh, I've been through it a few times. Um, I don't know how people would react to see that horror. It, it, it's seared in my brain, and it's a sight I'll never forget for the rest of my life. So after we let the 11 memorial candles, um, I chanted, as I've done at all the funerals so far, the memorial prayer in Hebrew and in English. Um, the president then um, um, asked if uh, I would escort he and the first lady to the makeshift memorial outside the Tree of Life that I think all the press has shown over the course of the week. Um, the president placed a stone on each monument, the first lady a white rose, and I gave him a bit of a background story about each person because it was a human being who lived who was a good, decent person, and the president needed to know something about these people because they, too, were his, his citizens. Well, good for CNN to air that whole thing, and Allison Camerata didn't interrupt him, didn't try to take him on, didn't do anything. She did have a little bit of a, a wince going for her, but at least CNN aired it. I know as much as we say CNN sucks, and they do, uh, they didn't suck that time, so <laughs> we'll take we'll take one non-sucking moment from CNN uh, as much as we possibly can, and so that was that was uh, pretty good. Meanwhile, interestingly enough, as as much as as uh, the news media has tried to portray President Trump as being anti-Semitic and this kind of thing, it was interesting how CBS decided that they were going to feature. Because now if you're kind of a minority woman, the, the, the media is like after you, big time, loving you. And Stacey Abrams is a great example of that in Georgia and others. But now that they interviewed the uh, this person who is running as uh, the potentially the first female Muslim uh, member of Congress, if she wins, her name is Rashida Talib, And... Rashida Talib is uh, running for Congress, and she was interviewed by CBS News, and uh, it was like, kind of like a little featurette, you know? She's an attorney, a former state legislator, the oldest of 14, and also the daughter of Palestinian immigrants. And she tells me she's looking to change history at a time most people think it just isn't possible. If she wins next week, she'll be one of the first Muslim women in Congress. What was the moment where it hit you? I don't think it's hit me yet. I think people don't realize uh, just how much of a roller coaster it is. And it's happy, it's happy chaos right now. That's what I describe it as. Do you so 
it's interesting how CBS decided that they were not going to cover something that this Talib woman said on August 16th. Wasn't very long ago. It's not like you, you you could forget what she said. But so they promote this uh, Palestinian born Muslim and say she's going to be great in Congress and and don't report. And, and again, I guess I don't know whether you can call this anti-Semitic or not. But she has some pretty strong anti-Israel views. She actually wants to cut funding to Israel because she believes that Israel is uh, promoting inequality and lack of justice. Now, it, got, it prompted a lobby group that actually was supporting Israel that had previously endorsed Tlaib to saying, after closely consulting with Tlaib's campaign to clarify her most current views on various aspects of Israeli-Palestinian conflict, we've come to the unfortunate conclusion that a significant divergence in perspectives requires us to withdraw our endorsement of her candidacy. Now, normally, you'd think, well, wouldn't wouldn't CBS uh, wouldn't CBS print her or, or talk about her anti-Israel views? I mean, if you're going to do a if you're going to do a feature on the first female Muslim going to Congress, wouldn't you include, especially in this environment, especially after the murders of uh, of people at the synagogue? And it wasn't done by a Palestinian, and it wasn't done by a Muslim. I'm, I'm not saying that, but, but especially in the environment, everybody's so sensitive about the Jewish faith and about Israel and about anti-Semitism. Wouldn't you want to cover that as part of your feature on this person? I mean, if, if, because because as far as we know, the news media suddenly has uh, – you'd think everybody was Jewish themselves the way they were talking about how there's so much anti-Semitism and this and this and this, you'd think that they had been, they've adopted that as their, you know, because of the way they talk about it. But so you'd think if you're, you've got a Palestinian born Muslim in front of you running for Congress and, and you don't want to mention her desire to cut off funding for Israel. And uh, they they didn't even include. There's another Muslim woman running for Congress who tweeted things, and these are all these people uh, who are are kind of like they're, they're, they've talked among each other. And she says, "This is a tweet. Israel has hypnotized the world. May Allah awaken the people and help them see the evil doings of Israel." Now, I, I, now is that is that hate speech? By the way, when you when you talk about the evil doings of Israel, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not. Maybe it's only hate speech if you are a are a uh, are a white person saying it. But it's just interesting how they would have. You, you'd think they would have. Uh, you'd think they would have said something about it. Call Jimmy Jim Talent. It's trying to be fair. I don't know. CNN was fair, though. They interviewed... Uh, they interviewed... 
the rabbi at least. Hold on a second. Let me get Jimmy on here. Don't kick me off Facebook. I bet you they will, though. Tricked you. Tricked you, Facebook. You're not going to try to take me off right before I get Jimmy Talon on here. Oh, three, four, four. Let's get him on. Let's see. Let's see what's going on here. Good morning this morning. Happy Friday, everybody. Oh, that was weird. Jimmy. Jimmy. How are you? Doing fine. How are you? Well, happy Friday to you, too. Are you in town or are you traveling? I'm in town. I have to oh. travel next week. All right. But I'm not traveling this week. So what are you picking up on when it comes to the midterms? You know, interestingly enough, I'm not quite sure you know, what you know about early voting or facts of, of that matter, but I had heard uh, today that early voting numbers are favoring Republicans, which normally is not the case. Normally they favor Democrats for whatever reason. I don't know. Uh, but but that uh, usually Republicans are the ones who show their – uh, numbers at the polling places as opposed to early voting, but that's not the case anymore. Does that tell you anything about how things seem to be going? Um, well, Jamie, I haven't read a lot on the science of early voting. I think the fact that compared to past years, there's more Republicans engaging in early voting is probably good, but maybe not for a statistical reason. What it may indicate is that uh, Republicans are better organized this time around, which could have impacts in other parts of the election. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's evidence of an infrastructure and an effort that is probably good. You know, we're Friday now before I've been putting off making any predictions because this is a very fluid cycle, but we're kind of at the end now. We, we really don't, I mean, <laughs> either you do or you don't at this stage. Right. So, um, I'm kind of thinking that uh, Republicans will do well in the red states uh, and not well in the blue states. And that means probably a pickup in the Senate. Uh, And I think the House is going to come down to district by district and could end up being very close. That's kind of what I think. I mean, if you put a gun to my head and made me guess, I guess that's what I'd say. Right. Right. Uh, You know, and, and that's interesting because, uh, you know, I, I, I do think that it, that it appears I'm almost feeling like it's 2016 all over again because I'm, I'm sensing this kind of uh, push by certain people in a, a certain direction, you know, where, where, where they're telling us something that really seems to be based not in any kind of facts. I mean, I, I, know, I know that we have polling numbers that show things are tight. But 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 like, for instance, the Cook report saying, oh, it could be 30, 40, you know, new new seats for Democrats in the House. I'm going, how are you basing that? What are you basing that on? That doesn't that seems to be the kind of uh, uh, it's it's antithetical, in my opinion, to some of the people I've been talking to who it just doesn't stand to reason that people are going to go to the voting booth and try to turn back progress that has been made the first two years of the Trump administration. Yeah, and uh, Charlie Cook is is a good reputation, uh, pretty objective. I don't, I, I never discount what he says. Uh, I think when you have elections that turn on on 
2% of the vote. Remember, Jamie, I always try and bring this home to people. That's one out of 50 voters, right? So one out of 50 voters getting up in the morning and saying, well, I'm not sure about it, but I guess I'll do X. I mean, that's, that can change elections, right? Right, right. So, so um, and, and we all tend, um, in part because it's always been this way, and in part because the country's polarized, we tend to interact more with people who share our point of view. And so, you know, the logical thing tends to seem like the thing we think is logical. Now, you're, I think, a little bit less in that because of what you do. You interact uh, with a broader cross-section of people. So all that's by way of saying that I, I kind of agree with you, but I have a healthy skepticism about, you know, whether my analysis is, um, you know, is taking into account all the factors. Right, you know? right. Can I ask you a quick question, though, just about the – uh, how the how the Senate works, and I mentioned this the other day, and this was no attempt to disparage Roy Blunt or what have you, but you were a U.S. senator, and so is there some kind of um, collegiality rule? Like I noticed when Lindsey Graham came in and stumped for Josh Hawley, and he also was in Tennessee stumping for Marsha Blackburn, but 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 he but. He even said that it was unusual for a sitting U.S. senator to come and campaign against a colleague, regardless of their party. And I noticed that when Roy Blunt was interviewed the other day, and I noticed you, I know you don't speak for him. I just was asking whether or not there was some kind of unwritten rule that Roy Blunt kind of shied away from a question regarding Josh Hawley and Claire McCaskill and that, and that he didn't kind of immerse himself into the race. Is that – is that based on – is there some kind of collegiality rule, an uns, unwritten rule about that, or what is that? A well, yeah, but it's it's a rule based on, I think, on the public interest and one I always observed. Actually, Roy has been – or Senator Blunt's been very strong for Hawley. Uh, you know, the fact that he's out there campaigning for him yeah. uh, is, I think, a sign of that. I would say the rule is in part institutional uh, in the sense that Remember, after the election's over, you have to deal with people, right? And it's right. in the interest of your constituents for you to preserve a relationship of some kind with them. I mean, it's in the people's interest for this, particularly if you if, if they're the senator from your state, right? Right. Because right. uh, there's a whole lot of issues that you need to work with them on, uh, not necessarily philosophical issues, but you know, issues relating to uh, transportation in the state and that sort of thing. Right. So part of it is institutional. I mean, you you, you have to live and work with, and, and part of it is personal for the same reason. I mean, you know, you, you, you got to sit in a committee with somebody or do things with them. You yeah. know, you're not going to rip their hide off. I, I think that's, and I think that's important. I think yeah. the political should never swallow up the, the personal that's one of the defects of the left is they take the, they tend to make the personal political. Right. And, um, that's, uh, I mean, that's, that's not a good thing to do. So, yeah. um, I, I would not, I, don't, I appreciate the way you asked the question, but no, I think Senator Blunt has really been very strong for Josh and, you know, it's in part because he wants what's good for the people of Missouri. Sure. And, um, yeah, I think, um, I think Holly's, will do a great job. I think he's going to win. Uh, and I think he's going to do a, a great job for people. 
Yeah, that makes All a lot of sense. All this makes a difference over time, you know. Um, the phrase "elections have consequences," and we made it political, which is you know how we do everything today. But they do have consequences, right? And, you know, it's a huge consequence that that Donald Trump got elected. Um, yeah. Hey, can I go off subject for just a second? Speaking of Trump. Yeah, well, let me just say one more thing because you mentioned Hawley, yeah. though. I have to tell you, though, and, and you've seen this and you know this. I've been very impressed because uh, we had a very contentious primary. And, 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 and there was a lot of, you know, there were some people with some bitter feelings and, and everybody kind of coalesced behind each of their candidates. And, and Hawley, uh, Josh was sometimes seen as being too favored by the state party and blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot of back and forth and this and that and sniping here and sniping there. And I, I participated in that too. But I've been really heartened to see how state Republican voters uh, and, and specifically people who I am in contact with and who listen to this show and who are talking that all that stuff has disappeared, that, that, that there's no that, – that, that, that people are seemingly firmly behind Josh Hawley and, and aren't try, – and, and aren't you know, trying to uh, to uh, communicate disdain from something that happened in August, and are still and are still actually in it to win it. And I've I've seen that transformation, and I think people are all kind of now on the same page, which is always good to know, good to see. Yeah, I think it's where leadership matters, and it's where people who have a big heart matter. You know, and 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 both the people who ran against him in the primary and and other really good young, you know, politicals who wanted to run and decided not to do it uh, because they were putting the interests of the, of the movement and therefore their philosophy and the people ahead of their own ambitions. And, um, and I give a lot of credit to Hawley. You know, one of the things I say to people, because there's been some sniping, you know, sniping's the wrong word. There've been some grumbling about his campaign over the months. And, you know, you've heard it. And we've talked about it, but he's avoided the major mistake. And that by itself, Jamie, is a lot harder than it looks. I mean, I've been through it. And you know, when you're speaking five times a day and doing all these interviews and you've got this big campaign organization and people speaking for you and, uh, you know, we've not had the big mistake. And uh, that's hard. Yeah. If you get through a campaign, if that's all that happens is you put on a solid campaign and you don't make a big mistake, I think that, uh, you know, that gets you a B right there in, in terms of the grade of your campaign. Yeah. And, and, and then, of course, you know, getting an A is a lot harder. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's, you know, that's a that's a that's a success. And he also actively reached out to a lot of the grassroots people who felt a little bit uh uh, pushed out uh, in the during the primary days, and so I think he's done a good job in terms of uh, instead of saying see, well, you know, instead of he, I think he's handled that whole delicate relationship uh, very well. Uh, just, so keeping keeping everybody together, uh, which was which I, which I think ultimately was important, and then of course we also had some very hardworking people out there. I know Ben Murphy's on now, and and Sonny mm-hmm. Wilson, and these guys. Who all have worked very hard, but and 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 our leaders themselves, who said, "All right, so now we know what we got to do. We got to march this ball down the field, and and we all we played our game, we played it hard, and now let's let's play it as hard for the person who prevailed, and let's just go for it." And so they all put whatever my, other interest they might have had 
uh, behind the common interest, which I think really worked out well. So anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say about President Trump? Well, let me add a comment about that, because uh, I, I always like when I can okay. uh, to try and give people the other side that the uh, politics that, you know, they they, you know, they, they necessarily don't don't always see. So if you think of your vocation, Jamie, you know, being an influencer and a and a radio host, and how would you describe your vocation, Jamie? Just crazy, I know. But so, and, and you you know obviously a lot about it, and you, I imagine you would say that to be the perfect, you know, radio host or talk show host, there's a lot of boxes you need to check, right? There's probably 25 that the perfect radio host would check, and nobody goes into the vocation checking all those boxes, right? Uh, you check a lot of them, but there were areas 10 years ago where if you step back and evaluate yourself, you'd probably say, Hmm, I haven't this box yet or this box, right? Yes. Oh yeah. And so the, the self-aware person evaluates themselves and tries to grow in their weak areas and maximize their strong areas. And politics is the same. So we're entitled to expect a lot from our candidates and we're always entitled to expect, you know, integrity and hard work. But understand people grow in these jobs, too. And now that does get us to Trump because, you know, Trump is a different president than he was two years ago. Um, you can just see it in the way that he's maneuvering and, and his team and uh, uh, the discipline behind priorities. So yeah. I just I did, did an interview yesterday. I talked to a, uh, uh, a Reuters reporter who's covering trade issues, and he called me because the Commerce Department has issued a export restriction order against a Chinese company named uh, Fujian Jinhua. And the reason is because that is the company that the Chinese government is, is focused on to build uh, a semiconductor industry in China, which is part of their Made in, 2000, made in China 2025 objective. Mm. Well, if they get this, I know I'm going way off subject, no. but I think it's illustrative of, of the point I was making. If they get, you know, if, if, this, if they're successful in this, then the next step for them, because this is what they do, since they subsidize their companies, since they discriminate against foreign companies and deny them the domestic market, since they rip off technology, I mean, I could go on and on and on, is to give this company a competitive advantage against American semiconductor companies and drive them down. Okay. But this is an area which is vital to the defense industrial base. So the Trump administration issued an, uh, a, a, an export restriction order against exports to this company, because right now they really need American exports to build up. So this is an example of how the president has first set the policy that we're in this big national competition with China, which is true and that we're actually going to compete, which we haven't been doing before, and that we're going to compete on a lot of levels. We're going to com compete diplomatically. We're going to compete on trade. We're going to compete on human rights, if you saw the vice president's speech on this, and we're going to compete in terms of hard power and building up our forward presence in the Far East. And he's got the whole executive branch clicking along in all these different tracks, right? And this is an example because this is a, a, a new use of this tool, this particular statute and regulations, 
and he's anticipating a potential problem, or his, or his people are, Wilbur Ross is, and they're moving to proactively prevent it from becoming a problem, right? And and he did the they did the first ever comprehensive study of weaknesses in the defense industrial base, right? I mean, it was it was tremendous. It took him a year. Peter Navarro had manned it. And they did an outstanding job. They have the Department of Defense paying more attention to this than ever before. And all of this is going on slightly beneath the surface, and it's evidence of a well-organized uh, administration that is where the president has set the priorities, and his team is is are, are all using their various agency tools to accomplish it. I was really impressed. In um, I didn't see this, you know, but I saw the logic of it as soon as I saw the order. Well, that's where that's where you're so seeing. I think people. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, that's where you're seeing. You know, I remember, I remember that there were people who said, you know, you can't run government like a business, and it seems to me that President Trump, that's exactly what he's doing to a certain degree because he's got, you, you know, uh, the the bells and whistles and and the outreach to supporters, and he does the rallies and he does this and does that. And then behind the scenes, though, he's got a lot of mechanisms in order uh, to keep the lights on and to, and to keep the agenda moving uh, at the same time. So he's, he's kind of exhibiting a certain level of that leadership element there and that contact with the, with the customer, so to speak. Uh, and then at the same time, making sure that everything in the background uh, is working well and that, and that the boilers are all on and all that kind of stuff. So I find that to be... It sounds like that's just what you just described. Right, right. I mean, leadership, the principles of leadership, whether business or politics, are largely the same. The top leader sets the priorities and makes them clear to his people. And he's responsible for choosing priorities, which are, you know, which are the best ones to choose for, you know, the the enterprise or the country that he's trying to help. Right. And then he has to be self-aware enough. He has to understand the tools well enough to know how to organize people and motivate them to accomplish those priorities. And uh, the weakness in our system is that is that we do not train people. I and mean, whether they've been in politics or not, it doesn't make any difference in that sense. We don't yeah. train people to understand that that's the job of the presidency and to understand how the presidency operates well enough so they can go in. Uh, with a running start. And so all these presidents, and this is true, Republican or Democrat, you look in their first six months to a year and they step on a bunch of landmines. And I think it's because they don't understand the job well enough. And so they have to sort of learn on the fly. And we do a very poor job. When I, when I talk with candidates, presidential candidates, the last couple of cycles, I was trying to convey that to them. Um, and if you ask the average president, I mean, you go to the, on the Democratic side now, because they're the ones who are going to have the challengers. And you say to a Kamala Harris or Elizabeth Warren or whoever it is, OK, what is the presidency? What is the job of the presidency? And I don't think they could tell you. And and that's not a slap at them, because I don't think the Republicans three years ago could have told you either. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's a weakness of the system. It hurts the people. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what to do about it, um, but uh, but that means they learn. And I think the president has you know learned on the job. 
Yeah, and I, I saw that the other day too. And I, I gotta, I gotta go because I'm mean, gonna have Doug on from Clash Daily. So, I, but I appreciate you being with okay. us, man. But yeah, I, I noticed that the other day when I saw the president being interviewed by Jonathan Carl at ABC, and he stood there and he let Carl just badger him and badger him, and he answered every single question. Uh, it, it's the kind of the same way he acts even with Jim Acosta, who's very annoying. But when Acosta asks him a question, he answers it. And and resist the kind of like you know oh you're you know the personal part, and I think he's learned a little bit there too. It, it's so confounding to me how some people say that this guy has the worst relationship with the media when in fact he's he's one of he's one of the most accessible presidents I've seen in a long time. Right? Oh yeah, there's no question of that. And the, now that one of the boxes Trump's always checked, and I will let I understand you were politely signaling to me to shut up so you can go to your next interview, but that's okay. But one of the boxes Trump did check when he came into the job is he knows instinctively how to set the frame of an interaction. Okay. So when I watch him, I'm seeing a guy who won't be typically everybody, you know, has bad interviews, but won't get drawn into the frame. The reporter's trying to set when uh, he's just, he's learned that, you know, through the years and he just does it instinctively now. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's correct. Yeah, no, I I wouldn't mean to be. Uh, it's so funny. It's it's kind of like I, it, it, we're going to be getting back to this at some point when the when the when we have our phone lines uh, with Radio Free Almond uh, 2.0. But you know, it's funny because it's it's kinda like when I I like was begging you to come on the air this not begging you, but I was trying to get you to come on the air this morning, and it was kind of on the fly. And then you say, sure, call me. And then suddenly I'm like, I got to go. So it's like, kind of like, no, oh, nice a ton, man. You know, uh, it's like, like I used to have some people would call the show and they'd call and I'd have their take their phone call and they go, well, I got to go now. It's like, oh, well, sorry to, to be taking up all of your time here, caller. <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> it's all always right. fun, Jamie. All have right, a great friend. weekend, man. Yeah, you too. I, I appreciate you very much. That's uh, the great okay. uh, Jim Talent. Who I, I like his. He, he's got a good perspective on a lot of things, and I just I love uh, I love talking to that dude. I just called him. Stop calling me, dude. Remember that? I'm gonna put. I'm gonna get that up too. Uh, eventually, I'm gonna have all that stuff, all my stingers back. Eventually, I gotta go find that. Uh, you know, you guys wondering if President Trump sleeps. I don't know whether he does really either. I mean, he's, you know. It's Doug Giles I'm calling, by the way. Jamie. Good morning, Mr. Rowdy. How are you? What the hell, buddy? (laughs) What the hell? I know. Hey, I was so funny. I got to tell you, I was watching the, uh, I was watching CBS, uh, uh, NBC News, and it was so amazing the first 19 seconds of the lester holt uh thing and i know it's hard for you sometimes to hear how these things go but uh he he had a is uh, good evening everyone five uh, days until the midterm vote republicans and democrats are playing their strongest hands tonight president trump playing the fear card over illegal immigration with a powerful and racially divisive new video 
While in Georgia, voters answered knocks at the door only to come face to face with Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> so that was so that was that, that was so hilarious today. to me how suddenly it's like, yeah, the dark, sinister Donald Trump with his divisive video, and suddenly we're going to we're going to a publisher's clearinghouse commercial with Oprah Winfrey arriving at the doorsteps of people in Georgia. It was so unbelievable. It's almost like a parody of news bias. Yeah, I couldn't hear that clip, but um, I like the. Uh, it's kind of like the Presbyterian uh, female minister at uh, the Pittsburgh synagogue uh, memorial that Trump went to, where she said, uh, "You know, you you you're not welcome here. We welcome everybody." It's like you guys just clearly are bad crap crazy. Oh. So much. I mean, it's contradictory. You know, we don't tolerate you. We tolerate everyone. Yeah, and that's liberalism, man, and it's a mental disease, and that's why Coulter and uh, Savage, you know, made so much hay off <laughs> that phraseology, because uh, you know it's a religion, man. I don't know if you're, uh, I don't know if you, um, and I'm telling you, they're zealots too, brother. And uh, I was talking to this guy last night, and uh, uh, great, great Christian man, been into the in politics for you know, I don't know, forty, fifty years. And uh, he said, I have never seen uh, the level of zeal uh, coming from the left. He said, look, I, I'm an old hippie, man. I used to be a liberal. And, uh, and he said, I still have you know, very liberal, libertarian-type bent in me. He said, but uh, what these people are, they're not liberals any longer. They're leftists. And uh, they're zealots. There's no bargaining chips. They're implacable. It's kind of like uh, you know, radical Islam and stuff. You can yeah. you can tell Brittany to cover up her hooters. You can tell every guy to take the palmate or gel out of their hair, and uh, you can you know put the kibosh on Quentin Tarantino uh, movies, and they're still going to load you. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, by the way, I I noticed uh, uh, it was pretty interesting to see the videotape of these uh, poor, hungry, tired masses throwing rocks at. Uh, military helicopters while they wore, while they had their faces covered in handkerchiefs. It's like, oh, great! Uh, this these these are the people coming to Laredo or whatever it is, and and no one and so so great to see President Trump say, "You throw rocks at one of our guys, uh, we're fighting back." Yeah, and he's the devil for doing it. I mean, can you imagine? Uh, and I don't know if your listeners have seen the videos, but they're actually pummeling the Mexican army, you know, with rocks. And they're just standing there, you know, just like poor little defenseless uh, federales and stuff, not doing diddly squat about it. Uh, Trump doesn't play those games, man. There's new sheriff in town. And, and to think that our world-class uh, defenders, our, our military, are, not, are, are supposed to take that crap from uh, these, uh, these sweet and poor refugees, um, Jamie, I'm surprised – that the left hasn't called what that migrant herd that's invading, that's coming to invade our nation. I'm surprised that they haven't called it some kind of parade. I mean, it's like <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. happy, clappy people and Joseo, Jorge Ramos, like, look at the children. They love pixie dust and candy canes. And, and then, like you said, you point about they got their freaking faces covered. You know, they're grabbing their crotch. They're you know, smashing crap, and um, yeah, we want that here in the United States. 
when it all first started, I said, uh, you know, that the, the, they could make this easier in terms of how they look by turning into like the safety dance video. And all it needed is a couple of uh, uh, South American midgets to join the crew and they could just do like a the, the safety dance on up to Laredo. But they decided not to do that. Instead, present their worst possible face. And I, and, and I got to tell you, that ad that Lester Holt described, even though Lester Holt's a news anchor, not an opinion guy, but apparently he is now he said he called the, the that 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 ad the midterm ad about the migrants he called it uh, racially divisive and i could i couldn't figure out how that is uh everything about that video was totally factual and it was awesome yeah, is it the one about that uh that piece of crap uh hispanic yes. dude in court saying he wished he had killed more cops yes well, that's again, that's that's liberalism. You know, that's their disease. That's their, you know, go to default uh, phrase. If they can't argue reason or putting kind of uh, intelligent uh, fodder across people's bow, they just got to blame race as a man. You're not you haven't drank our Kool-Aid. I mean, this is Jim Jones type stuff. If you don't believe what we believe, then we call you a heretic and we brand you uh blasphemous and here are the appropriate tags that we put on you you know sexist racist bigoted i mean it's it, it's so childish they are they're the, the the greatest group of victims that i've ever seen in my life and every little subgroup within their big group is trying to out victimize the other and um and i think uh you know the majority of americans know that they're being played they know they're deranged and I hope they rock up, man, next Tuesday, and uh, we not only get the Senate but the House. Yeah, no doubt. I, I don't see how you could – I mean, I, I said earlier, and I was a little surprised that Paul Ryan hasn't been very helpful, although I, ha- I, can, I can imagine why. he. I'm sure that he's in that mindset that, that he just soon had the House taken over by Democrats, so he's not shown up by the next Speaker of the House. But I will tell you that that, in my opinion – if you're a Republican and you lose an election in, in this environment, you're either a bad candidate or you lucked out to begin with being a Republican in a prominently uh, Democrat district. Because there's no reason why a Republican ought to be losing an election in this environment. Oh, no. I mean, I, I, I just saw him. We're about to post a uh, clash. Uh, Trump crushed October's job numbers. Uh, I mean, just completely shattered expectations by, I think, nearly 60,000, 70,000 jobs. And he's been on, he's been riding this, he's, he's milking the crap out of the red wave. And uh, yeah, if you can't win in this environment, you're supposedly, you know, part of the GOP uh, representatives, then then you suck, man. You deserve to lose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, you do. I mean, there, it, unless there's some kind of abnormality in that particular district, uh, it, there's no reason why any Republican ought to be off uh, in this season. By the way, really loving uh, a lot of the topics you cover on Clash Daily about Christianity. I, you, one of them, I, before we get to the uh, Long Ashes and Big Butts podcast, which I think is outstanding, um, that where you talk about the the, the Christian concept of uh, rest and fellowship, which I want to get to in a second, but you also have a post up there about how the president. Because a long time ago, people were going, "How could an evangelical vote for President Trump? He doesn't even know a passage in the Bible." And I always maintain that Christians 
uh, or the evangelicals, if you want to call them that in, the, in, this, in some of these uh, states, uh, didn't care whether the president knew anything about the Bible. They cared whether or not he was going to defend their liberties. And, and once they were pretty much settled on this idea that this guy's tough as nails, he's going to get it when it comes to Supreme Court justices, and he's going to fight for us the way he fights these other candidates, that was pretty clear. And you say that, that President Trump has done more for Christians than any other president practically before him. Well, that's actually uh, his quote uh, that he gave to a CBN interview, which I don't know if you've seen the CBN interview, but uh, but the the dullards over at CNN <laughs> and MSNBC and all the other mainstream uh, media outlets, they should, they should watch that because that is an incredible example of what it means to really talk to the president, get answers from the president, instead of just mudsling at the president. I mean, really brilliant job uh, that they did over at CBN. And you're right, man. Here's these, you know, evangelical never Trumpers. And uh, I, I had a bunch of them, man, that used to write for my site. And um, when they saw me uh, support Trump, and again, you know, Jamie, we talked about this a lot. I'm, I was just reading tea leaves early on. I liked his I liked his bombast. I liked that he was kicking uh, uh, Republicans' ass and Democrats' ass, and he was just coming in there like Jack Nicholson in that scene from Five Easy Pieces when he's in the cafe, and he just clears the table, throws it all on the ground. <laughs> uh-huh. I, and I was digging that, and they're like, well, you, you know, he's vile, and you're supposed to be a Christian. And look at the way he talks. And he said, grab him by the you-know-what. And he, and he, he, you know, and he talks about his uh, escapades, you know, Back in the Playboy days in the early '90s, like, dude, he's a billionaire. He's a sinner, you know, sinner, sin. And I guarantee, Jamie, if you and I uh, weren't tethered uh, to our faith and to our families, and, and we were, if we had billions, oh my gosh, man, we, we'd be tapping it left and right. Yeah, you and I both know that. Right. And um, yeah. And any man who's listening to this said, "Well, I never would. I would <laughs> never go there." Listen, you probably drive a Toyota Corolla. You got a crap job. You don't have women stacking up to to uh, lay <laughs> lay you down. But if you're a billionaire and you own huge buildings all over the planet, yeah, you got a bunch of gold diggers that are lining up. And you know the flesh is weak again when it's not infused with the Holy Spirit's power. However, pointing back to the uh, biblical examples of failed human critters that God used greatly. I stood by it, and you know what? Uh, we were right. He's done more for Christianity, uh, being a quote-unquote just deplorable man, Jamie. And I'm talking about the uh, aggressive defender of religious freedoms, unapologetic in his defense of pro-life issues. He's been far friendlier to all forms of religious expression than old Obama was or ever dreamed to be. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, you look at you. You look what he's done. Even just the Christmas stuff. It's like we're going to start saying Merry Christmas <laughs> right, in right. America from now on. Yeah, I mean, you'd never hear that. It's like Happy Holidays. It's yeah, a winter festival. Right. You or, know, or when like, he had... no, it's not numb nuts. It's about Christ and his birth and him coming here and that. So you, all you PC guys, you can kiss my Trump and large glutes and because uh, this is how we're going to roll because this is America. Damn it! I I loved it a long time ago. I think it was the first year of his presidency when it came out and he'd have these rallies and if they happened to be around 
the holidays, he'd go up there and there'd be like 10 Christmas trees up on the stage. And, and that would never ha- – even with GW, bless his heart – that would never yeah. happen, you know, in, in that environment. They'd never, like, allow a Christmas tree up on a stage with a president. He had, like, ten of them up there. It was fantastic. It's unbelievable. Yeah, because, because George W. is a politician, and right. he's, uh, you know, he's part and parcel of the problem. And, um, you know, Trump is an outsider, and everybody's like, we just need an outsider. We just need one. And then, then they get one. He's got a gold comb over, and he's got a sorted past. And yet he's doing incredible things uh, for those who uh, believe that this experiment in self-governance has a Judeo-Christian worldview as, a, as, a, as the infrastructure. He's doing more uh, for those traditional uh, Americans than any other president uh, prior to him. Maybe, you know, you have to go back to Washington and those cats. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, again, and, and do you ever hear that? The never Trumpers, the evangelicals, the National Review guys uh, get up and repent and apologize and say we were stupid, we were wrong, we wouldn't have Gorsuch, we wouldn't have Kavanaugh. Right. It would have been a Hillary uh, cabinet, and it would have been disastrous. And none of these none of these guys say, you know what, we were fundamentally and radically off. And some of these numbnuts still keep their positions over at Fox. Uh, townhall.com and uh, and other places, and they're looked to as some freaking wizard behind the curtain that knows everything. Oh yeah, I mean, or they they double down, and you and you and you're the Max Boot of the world, and you go on there and 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 talk about your uh, uh, Trump being a nativist, and 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 of course shit crapping all over. Uh, you know Trump supporters and everything else, and you're right, man. These guys never did ever come around and and basically uh, say, yeah, we were wrong. They just kind of either double down or or thankfully disappear like George Will did, or they're just um, still at it. So uh, it's it's, it's pretty I was watching amazing. I was watching this one guy, and I don't even want to mention his name because I don't even want to deal with the dork. But he was on Fox the other day, and uh, uh, we were, we wrote for Town Hall together for many years and he was a Jamie he was he was unlike me he was a staid statesmanlike christian but he was just fundamentally off and and you know me I'm a goofball man I can't even believe that I've been able to do what I've done cuz I feel like I'm a 16 year old in a 56 year old body that's never grown up I just got cooler toys and and uh here he is you know just ardently trying to position himself Jamie to be the voice of reason in a confusing world. <laughs> and here, you ought to read his columns on frickin', uh, I'll, I'll tell you it is after we get off the air. You ought to read his columns on Trump and how Trump's going to be a disaster. And how Trump, Jamie, is going to flip-flop and he's going to turn into this uh, Democrat. It's all going to be disastrous. And how he's going to be crushed by Ted Cruz. You know, and the <laughs> on and on, wrongness, wrongness, wrongness. And then I see him on Fox talking about how the greatness of Donald Trump. I'm sitting there screaming at the TV, why don't you pull up the column and tell everybody how you said he'd suck if he ever got into the White House. And before you go there, why don't you talk about how you said that uh, Ted Cruz is going to dust him? Yeah, Eric Erickson is a pain in the ass. Yeah, you know, the the one thing about Eric, at least, uh, (laughs) you know, know, he's, He's up front about it. Yeah, right. You know? True. I know. I, I don't. I, I don't know. Now, now, I actually thought maybe I could. I could figure out who you were talking about. But, but, uh, but maybe I'm. I don't know. I, I couldn't. Uh, I could. Is he a radio host? 
Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He's he's got a radio show. Is that is that the guy from Iowa? I can't tell you, man. You're not going to get it on air, buddy. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> I get it. I know, but but it, but it is true, though. We still see and the here's, same. Here's the thing, man. I'm not. I'm. You know, it's not like, oh, Doug, you're scared. You know, if you. Yeah, I know. Well, it's like I don't want to deal with it. I don't want even. I don't want to talk about the guy. I don't. But my whole point is that he yeah. he is the the epitome of you know the the evangelical who is going to stay his principled ground and not vote for some. Some uh, what am I looking for? Some Lothario, some yeah, cad right, right. like Trump, who who will turn on a dime as soon as he gets in the White House and not support uh, these bamboozled uh, evangelicals. Like, no, you are so freaking wrong. Look what he's done, man. What yeah. was his first executive order to undo Obama's executive order, sending hundreds of millions of dollars to to liquidate babies via Planned Parenthood internationally? Yeah, first thing he did. Well, you know, it's interesting, too, and, and we've talked about this before, but I, I like talking about this whole concept because this idea somehow uh, of this, uh, this invented passivity of Christ, which, which actually is, 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 is not there, we, and Christ would never have been able to accomplish what he was able to accomplish in his short time on earth here by being passive. He, he, was, he was an assertive get in the mix, get your hands dirty, hang out with people who don't like you, topple over a couple of, uh, of tables kind of guy. Yeah. I mean, if, if he was passive, uh, you know, he probably lived to be 80, but you know, he had crap to do and, uh, and people to save and people to, to upset. And, uh, yeah, he spent 30 years prepping for a three year ministry and most ministers, you know, uh, Spend three years prepping for a thirty-year ministry. I'm convinced, Jamie, that um, that if if Christ preached, uh, the the blather that most Christian pastors and Catholic priests preach uh, in their pulpit, uh, that he uh, that he had never been crucified. Wow, that's interesting. Now yeah, he lit people up, man. Yeah, well, right. absolutely, right. Because when, because here's here's the thing when we when we read you know blessed are the peacemakers you know for there shall be the kingdom of heaven blessed are the merciful you know blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth blessed are those who hunger thirst we think well man that's that's some nice stuff that's some nice phraseology you know he's kind of like you know Oprah or Dr Phil or Garrison Keeler you know some shit like that that so angered the crowd. He was. That was the antithesis of what they were saying. Right. It so angered the crowd that they tried to kill him after he finished. Wow. That wasn't. I mean, we read that stuff, and it's yeah. like flowerly, you know, King James, Elizabethan English, like, you know. <laughs> and and when he rolled it out, they're like, "All right, we're going to throw you off cliff." Right. Right. Because we don't understand the context context because that was completely kitty wampus to the religious leaders, uh, the political environment that was suppressing, uh, you know, first century Israel. Everybody knew that he just rabbit punched their nuts and they killed him for a reason. It was his mouth. It was what he exposed. It's the people that he reached uh, to. It's the ones that he said, hey, the kingdom belongs to these people. All you other people, you smarmy, 
hypocritical religious guys, <laughs> we hope you're comfortable with warm climates because you ain't going to the sweet by and by. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, so I, I got to get to this because in the ten minutes we have left before I got to we we leave, I got to get to this this podcast that you have linked on your site, which is the long ashes and big butts. And, and you're talking about uh, the Christian understanding of rest and fellowship, and then you're mixing it in with uh, tobacco and, and smoking cigars. And then you also link to this site, which I have to dig into at some point, uh, the Church Mouse site. So, so break, this, break this down for me. You're with other, who's, who's the guy you're with uh, in the podcast? And, and, and tell me about the the element that the, how how cigar smoking and christian fellowship tie in together I, i'm loving this yeah again and that's that's um uh you know most christians listen to right now it's like you know uh, that's that sounds wrong sounds like it's <laughs> the devil you know we christians should never do that man and uh you know most christians who who uh who queue up and and you know, step into the dumb zone and tell me that, you know, that we shouldn't or I shouldn't be smoking because it defiles Jamie, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Most of them are like, you know, 100 to like 300 pounds overweight. It's like, let me see. Let me see if I get this right. Me smoking a cigar is verboten, but you having two chicken fried steaks, you know, <laughs> and uh, covered with cream gravy. And, and listen, I don't care what you eat, man. I don't care. You know, it's, I believe, who was it? Was it Spider-Man, Jamie, who said this? No, it was Jesus. He said, it's not what goes into you that defiles you, you dumbass. It's what comes out right. that is defiling. Right. So he declares all foods clean as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, and again, cigars, man, are way different from cigarettes. I mean, it's – anyway, but – the church lady types, they, they hate um, me talking about uh, Christians and cigars. Here's how I got into uh, the cigar uh, aspect of it. I was, uh, I was ministering down in, if you can imagine that, you ought to see me do it, man. It's, it's a trip. Uh, down in uh, Palm Beach, Florida in 1995, and Cameron Hitchcock, who's a pilot for American Airlines, he was my host. And the uh, guy loves sticks, loves cigars. And we're sitting at his beautiful house in Palm Beach overlooking these gorgeous canals and swimming pools, just lovely palm tree environment. And uh, he, he pulls out a uh, cigar from his uh, travels down in South America, and he just fires it up. And he's a you know very serious believer, great guy, fun guy. And I'm like, man, he looks like he's having uh, more relaxation and more enjoyment than I am. And uh, he goes, you want one? It's like, sure, let's do it. And what was interesting is that it's not a nervous habit. Nobody's getting high. We're just sitting there, uh, two Christian dudes, after a great weekend of kicking butt and taking names for God and country, and we're actually having a conversation for like two hours that ranged everywhere from family to travel to wishes, dreams, and fears. And I was like, holy crap, man. That's what me and my buddies used to do during a bong session back in college. <laughs> right. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. You sit around, you know, you get high, and you just start talking about, you know, MTV or politicians or, you know, just whatever. And Christians, you know, it's like we don't have that, you know. 
it's got to be the stale Lysol disinfected environment where you're playing Scrabble or you're, it's overly religious and just too, you know, schmarmy and syrupy for me. The cigar session, when you've got the brothers uh, together, and uh, I know a lot of women who don't smoke cigars, they want to be in the cigar mosh pit just because of the level of uh, camaraderie and conversation goes down. And I think the church, uh, <laughs> I think it is woefully needed of that kind of uh, reality. And uh, again, it might not be your cup of tea, but yeah. um, before you despair, before people disparage, you know, you know, uh, smoking cigars, um, C.S. Lewis smoked cigars, Tolkien did, Charles Spurgeon did, Dietrich Bonhoeffer did, Paul Ramsey and John Gresham Machen did. And uh, I was doing this, I was speaking in London, sorry, I'm rambling, I'm speaking in London, and uh, I said, listen, if you're going to write literature, and this is to like 500 Christians at Imperial College, if you're going to write literature that's going to impact Christianity, not just for, you know, uh, five months, but for 500 years, where would you get your inspiration? What would you do? Would you pass? Would you pray? Would you go on sabbatical for a year and, you know, and, and try to tap the Holy Spirit and get in that grace groove and get, you know, some goodies for his people, you know, for longevity and, <laughs> and uh, uh, multi-generational effects? They're like, yes, ex- exactly, yes, Doc. I go, would you go to a bar and smoke and drink with the atheist every Tuesday at uh, 11 a.m.? They looked at me like I was uh, – uh, a Catholic uh, uh, going across the new gate. And um, I said, hey, just down the road in Oxford was a guy named C.S. Lewis. They smoked, they drank, they talked with atheists, they debated, and that was the genesis of uh, most, if not all, of his works. Yeah. Hanging out with hanging out in pubs with the unwashed masses. Nice. Uh, brought forth great literature, you know, that even non-Christians dig. So now, would you recommend then also that because because this this church mouse uh, blog, it's called Church Mouse Campanologist, uh, ringing the bells for Christian traditions and getting our story out there. If we don't, who will? And uh, and 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 they have a post there that you 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 are actually borrowed from in, in your in your blog in your post. Uh, tobacco and 20th century Christian greats. So that's kind of what you're getting at there. And I thought that's, I, I don't know. It's, it's really a fascinating, uh, blog, by the way, the, the church mouse, but, um, but you're, well, I like what, uh, Charles Spurgeon, who, uh, if anybody thinks Charles Spurgeon, you know, was some, uh, some licentious, lawless, renegade, uh, <laughs> apostate, uh, he's one of the greatest ministers in the, in the UK that they've ever seen. He said, what for some is a sin, others do to the glory of God. And the good Dr. Pentecost remarks, notwithstanding, I intend to go home tonight and smoke a cigar to the glory of God. It's a kind of uh, incense drifting to heaven. Well, I'm, I've, Jamie, I've watched businesses launch, uh, and I'm talking not, not porn businesses or gambling businesses. I've watched righteous, kingdom, God-honoring uh uh, human uh, benefiting businesses launch right from the mosh pit of a cigar uh, session. I've seen missionaries, you know, get re uh, get re-energized and and fueled and sent back off into, you know, just uh, Syria and other places like that uh, through these cigar sessions. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's just, that's how narrow and stupid Christians are. They see blue smoke wafting and like, oh, that's the devil. Like, <laughs> no, it's not, man. There's more. You, you really want to get into that which is satanic? Get around a bunch of people who gossip and slander and backbite and do all that. That's where Satan is, and that's what most Christians do. Yeah, or or he's, or he's in that dog that you, uh, in that story you posted about the hunter getting shot by his dog. That's like a nightmare. Bro, that's, that's why, you know, uh, I was checking my deer rifles yesterday, and uh, every time I pull the action on anything, as soon as I pick up a gun, first of all, uh, uh, finger off the trigger. Never put your finger on the trigger until you have your target acquired. You know it's uh, downrange from the target. So when I pick up a gun, finger off the trigger, always on the trigger guard, and uh, break open the rifle, uh, whether it's a you know, double-barrel shotgun over and over, or over and under, a single shot, bolt action, semi-automatic, whatever. I always open it up, and uh, if I can, I put my finger in into the uh, the receiver and into the barrel to make sure that there's no cartridge there. Uh, if I can't do that, like on a lot of semis, you know, you just you look down the barrel, not <laughs> not not the front end of the barrel, <laughs> but from the receiver side of it. Right. And uh, yeah, he had a shotgun loaded, and the dog jumps into the back seat. Uh, his his paw triggers the shotgun, and boom, right through the back of the front seat and into his uh, 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 into his back. And he's lucky that the uh, first responders got there as soon as they did, because they said you had about you know eight to ten minutes before uh, you're going to be going toe to toe with St. Peter. And he's like, "What the hell did you let your dog shoot you for? You shouldn't have loaded your shotgun." <laughs> right, exactly. Well, and, and that's true. I can always tell. Sometimes they'll do. People will pose and do photographs and things like that, or maybe ads related to guns, and, and you can always tell these people know nothing about them when their finger is right through that, right on that trigger while they're holding the gun, which is, which is, which never should be happening, but yeah. Yeah, when, uh, and again, you know, you know, I'm a uh, big hunter, and uh, and I love my guns. I, I wonder sometimes, Jamie, if my guns think of me as much as I think of them, <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, the bullet has no friend. The bullet has no friend at all. So it's incumbent upon, you know, parents and users and everybody else is uh, like, we got my little grandson, Hamish, a 22 single shot cricket rifle. Uh, and um, he was looking at it the other day and just drooling over it. And uh, he immediately goes to the trigger. It's like, Hamish, don't get anywhere near that trigger until again, you got a line of fire that is acquired. You know what the target is, you know, it's beyond the target. And uh, it's like, listen, this mean old granddad is reading you the riot act right now. This ain't fun and games. And, um, you know, people got to know that. It's what you go into the field, safety first, safety second, safety last. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, buddy. Well, listen, have a great weekend, man. I appreciate you uh, joining us as always. Very entertaining. And uh, you're, you're the best, brother. And we can't wait to talk to you probably post midterms next week. Gonna be interesting, man, ain't it? Uh, absolutely. I'm I'm really looking forward to it, and um, I'm 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 really looking forward to seeing the uh, ashen-faced uh, people on oh. TV news. It'll be it'll be fantastic. 
Oh, there, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, man. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. All right, brother. We'll have right, a good right, one. Stay okay, take care. Yep. It's, uh, Cheers, it's Doug Jowls. And don't forget to also his art there at, uh, at uh, Doug Jowls. Dot art. So thank you, everybody, for hanging out. It's been a great morning, and uh, happy Friday to all of you. Have a good rest of your day. And also, thank you to all my folks who support the show, right? I've got Golden Oak Lending, 314-567-GOLD. That's right, people. Rates are going up, but they stay a little bit below them. They don't do what the Fed tells them to do all the time. Don't forget about uh, Matthew Mitchell, the Matthew Mitchell All-State Agency. 855-QUOTE-ME. 855-QUOTE-ME. Yes, everybody. Low premiums, low deductibles all at the same time. And don't forget, Auto Home and Life is where it's going to be for you, too. Michael Proctor, Proctor spelled like Dr. ProctorDrapery.com. Thank you for your support, Michael. And He's a competitive guy, seven days a week. So we head into the weekend. Michael's working with his mobile design unit. He'll come to your house, size you up, give you great advice because he's your interior designer as well. So make sure you check that out. Proctor spelled like Dr. ProctorDrapery.com. Thank you, Deputy Wellness. DeputyWellness.com. Thank you, Eric. You're the best, brother. Nutrition HQ at rocks. That's right, people. Veteran-owned and... Fantastic for all your supplement needs. Thank you, Emily. I like I love talking to Doug. He's a good guy and great con- conversationalist, that's for sure. Thank you, Margaret. Thanks. Appreciate those uh, cupcakes the other day. Appreciate that very much. The kids loved them. Vicky, all the rest of you. Thank you for joining us. See you, Tom. Thanks, brother. Tracy Ellis, TracyEllis.com. Rick and Tracy, great friends of mine. Thank you so much for your support. Santino Cigars and Cocktails. Yes, you're looking for something to do this weekend. It's perfect. Date night. We just got talking about cigars, right, with Doug? You want to go down there? They've got your cigar. They've got all kinds of great options for you. Their gigantic humidor, their walk-in humidor, and also some of the best whiskeys you're going to find anywhere in the land. And They've got your bottle. Suzanne, thank you, dear, as well. Hope your uh, husband stays safe as we always pray for our first responders out there. Always do. Vicki, will Jamie be here Monday? Why wouldn't I be here Monday? There's something going on Monday? Oh, yes, I will, Vicki. Um, Good. Thanks for thanks for that. My, my mediation is Monday, so it's an all day thing. So actually, I'm leaving here at eight. Thanks for reminding me. But I will be I will be in the first couple hours there Monday. And thank you, Patty. Appreciate that very much. Uh, yeah, my thank you, Vicky. Vicky's reminding me. Yeah, your mediation. I know it is. I forgot. Yeah. So I'm going to come in. I'll do the show for a couple hours uh, Monday, uh, six to eight. And then I get the gotta get get out of here and get on. So uh, thank you so much, guys. It's gonna be a great day. I hope Monday, and we'll see how everything goes. But I appreciate you all as always. And uh, RadioFreeAlman.com, check it out, and have a great weekend. Appreciate you all very much. And yes, yes, Lisa, I'll get to the amendments on Monday, my dear. Mwah! <laughs>